What's up, everyone? Thank you all for uh, checking us out this week, hitting the download button, pressing play, whatever you do to listen to podcasts right here on Kicking Out at 2. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and uh, we got a SummerSlam 1990 watch party up on deck for you this week. Uh, Justin and Dennis recently came over the house. Uh, we socially distanced as best as we could, and we got to watch the uh, the the 1990 installment of SummerSlam, one of my personal favorites, um, and we're going to be uh, showing, or excuse me, um, playing that uh, shortly on the 30th anniversary of that event. Um, but before we do that, I thought I would take a little bit of time here and kind of go with a little bit of a different approach before we uh, we get into the recording, uh, the SummerSlam recording. Um, just give you guys a little bit of an update about me and about some stuff that you know is going on in my life that could eventually pertain to um, the existence of Kicking Out It Too. Um, back a year and a half ago, I applied for a job for the state of Connecticut. And it was a long process, and uh, just recently I found out that um, I got accepted and offered a position, a state job, with the state of Connecticut, and therefore that opportunity um, is going to uh, take up a fair amount of my time, uh, might conflict with me wanting to record some podcasts, and uh, so I'm, 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 I'm calling out to all of you um, when it comes to content kicking out it too um just bouncing some ideas off and you know if you guys have any suggestions by all means uh drop in my dms on both facebook and twitter facebook.com forward slash kicking out it too as well as our twitter handle at kicking out too um and 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 offer me some suggestions on what i should do um i i want to continue the show uh full disclosure um dennis levy and i recorded a shitload of content for you guys um, almost through the end of the year, through 2020. So, um, you know, I'll definitely have plenty of content through the end of the year. But as time goes on, as I get more acclimated with this job, um, you know, I might not have as much time. Um, I might not be able to, to drop a show every week. It might be every other week. Um, I've even thought about maybe giving you guys clusters of you know, shows to binge. So, you know, at like a month at a time. So I'll drop like three or four shows in one shot and then you guys have a month to binge. And then I, when I have time in my schedule, I'll record some more stuff. And, uh, so, you know, give me some suggestions. Do you, do do you want to still hear me every week? Do you want to hear me every other week? Do you want me to just drop a cluster of shows, uh, you know, three or four at a clip and you guys can binge them? Uh, let me know, DM me. Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two or our Twitter handle at kicking out two K I C K N O U T and the number two. Um, yeah, a lot going on in my life. Um, this has been a process uh, throughout the course of a year. Um, I'm going to be leaving my job with um, the school I work at with kids with special needs. For those of you that are loyal listeners and follow, you kind of have an idea that I work with kids with special needs. Chris Donovan and Danielle Garcia, who have helped me co-host from time to time on this show, they, uh, they used to work at the uh, the, the school that I uh, used to work at as well. Chris does, Danielle doesn't, but you know now I'm a former employee, so um, you know that was a great opportunity for me, um, a great stepping stone and a building block for my future. I learned a lot, had a lot of fun. Um, met a lot of cool people, uh, met some not so cool people. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and be like, oh, it was rainbows and unicorns and shit. Cause it wasn't. Um, and you know, I learned about a lot about myself, both good and bad. I learned a lot through those kids, man. Um, I learned more from those kids and those kids learned from me. So, um, you know, uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for me. It's bittersweet that I'm leaving, but it's a great opportunity for me and my wife and my family. Um, 
you know, with with a with a job through the state of Connecticut, it's going to be something that's going to afford us many more opportunities um, in other areas. So I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, it could take up a fair amount of my time. Um, not the traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five kind of schedule that I've had for quite a while with um, the school job. So uh, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm going to continue to produce as much content as I can. Hopefully I can still give you guys every week um, a new show. If I can't, then maybe every other week, or like I said, maybe some clusters, but I just want to be able to, um, to, to, to still have this passion and still do it. And, and, you know, whether, like I've said before, whether there's five of you, 50 of you, 500 of you, 5,000 of you that listen to this show, um, you know, I appreciate everyone taking the time to listen to me talk about wrestling. Uh, I'm just a regular fan. I'm a wrestling fan, an old school wrestling fan. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hardcore, diehard wrestling fan. And, uh, you know, for anybody else to take the time to just listen to me, I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm just, you know, Dave Rosenbluth from Connecticut, the host kicking out of two. I'm a nobody. I'm not like most of the wrestling podcasters out there um, that, uh, you know, are, are big names, that have big followings like a Conrad Thompson who, you know, his work and what he does and his concept inspired me to do this. Um, so hopefully... Um, you know, as time goes on, um, you know, I can uh, I, I continue I can continue to still produce uh, regular content as much as possible. But um, any every one of you that listen that follow, um, I greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Genuinely uh, love the fact that you take the time to listen to me. Um, I've never been on <laughs> TV before in a wrestling capacity. Um, you know, I, I I may know a few people in the wrestling business, and I've dabbled in it here and there in different forms and fashions but um i'm just a regular dude that loves to talk pro wrestling um that hopefully you guys like listening to so i appreciate it and uh i I appreciate you guys sticking along for the ride and joining me um each and every week um i have a blast doing this like i said if there's if there's very little people or there's a lot of people that listen i have a blast doing it all the time it's it's my hobby it's one of my passions in life to talk wrestling and to have this platform to do it it's just it's it, it's it's cool as shit man it really is it's it's cool as shit i'm very blessed um with a lot of things that i have in my life between this new opportunity um the love that i have from my wife and my family as well as this um i'm very blessed for all the things that you know the good things i have in my life and so i'm not gonna get too sappy <laughs> and i'm not gonna you know pour my whole heart out here because that's not what you guys are here to listen to because in just a few moments, I'm going to get us to that SummerSlam 1990 watch party. Justin and Dennis um, with me as well. So um, once again, schedule's going to change a little bit. I'm hoping to drop the show each and every week. If I can't, like I said, I'm going to do my best to make sure that I get as much content on a regular basis out there to you. But if you guys have any suggestions, ideas, I, you know, I, I can I can take it. I'd love to hear it. I could take the constructive criticism if it's if if it's something that's going to improve the show. Then by all means, I'd love to hear it. I'm not like every other podcaster out there that if you offer up any kind of advice or criticism, that they're going to look at you like, oh, you're just picking apart my show. I'd appreciate it. I really would. I would appreciate anything that's going to help me do this better. So, with that being said, um, I think it's time for us to get into the the real reason why you guys are listening in the first place. SummerSlam 1990. So uh, let's get on with this recording and this watch along. Let's get into this SummerSlam 1990 watch party. Dennis, Justin, welcome back. Just, uh, uh, 
Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dave, for for, for, for No, man, me. thank you for coming along and, and uh, you know, helping me out here as usual. Justin, what's up? Chilling, man. Glad to be here. Another another ride on the uh, the carousel. There we go. Carousel. The, the, the kicking out at two carousel of pro wrestling history. As we all know, it's the 30th anniversary this week of SummerSlam 1990. Um, or by the time the show drops, because we are recording this far ahead of time, but uh, spoiler alert. But um, yeah, 30th anniversary, one of my favorite SummerSlams of all time. I remember this year, 1990 in particular. Uh, this was like, I want to say, I want to say this is almost like my peak of fandom as a youngster, as a wrestling fan, because there was so much wrestling for me to consume. I remember this was like the most wrestling that I consumed in one given year um, with not just watching it on television, but having access to like the toys and the, and you know the like WCW had the Galoob toys and WWF had the Hasbro's. You could see in my case back over here that was the year it came out. Um, but like it, they had the big licensing with Hasbro and Toys R Us. Um, so I just remember this year in particular. Like this is where I was able to consume so much wrestling. Um, Justin, you were one years old at the time. Dennis, you were. Uh, uh, ten years old. Yeah, you were ten years yeah, old. Yeah, nineteen ninety. I was seven years old, um, and I just remember um, there was just so much wrestling that for me to consume as a fan. It was like I was in heaven because I mean, my parents didn't let me watch a lot of wrestling. Um, they tried to limit it at times, um, but you know, this was one of those times where they kind of like backed off a little bit. Um, but anyhow, you're going to go to your WWE Network account. Hopefully, you're logged in. You're going to search on the left-hand side. You're going to click WWE Pay-Per-View. And then you can either go to the year 1990 or you can go to the SummerSlam um, option. And the date is August the 27th, 1990. The show runs two hours, 39 minutes, and 37 seconds. Um, and when I say play, you're going to hit play. There will be times where I will uh, track the audio so that you guys can listen. But for the most part, um, if you want to hear our running commentary, uh, keep it on mute. And, uh, you know, we're going to have ourselves a little SummerSlam watch Pardukey, if you will. <laughs> so, without further ado, three, two, one, hit play. Buffering, 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 still buffering, still buffering, still buffering. I love this theme. Yes. Roddy, Roddy Piper, and Vince McMahon on commentary for this show. Um, not the usual uh, commentary team at this time. Um, they like to mix it up every now and then. You got Gorilla and Bobby or Gorilla and Jesse. I believe, actually, 
This was not long after Jesse Ventura had left the WWF. Because uh, his last pay-per-view was WrestleMania that year. Right. Um, so they, they kind of put Piper into this this mix here. Um, and this was like the beginning of you know the, the, the commentary team with him and Vince and on Superstars. And eventually Randy Savage would join the mix um, not long after. Actually, no, about, I'd say about a year later or so. But uh, the opening match here for this SummerSlam card is the Rockers. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, one of my favorite um, rockers uh, uh, ring gear. Um, That's pretty good. Going up against the team of power and glory in the ring, as you see there. With oh, it didn't even get a theme. Hercules and Paul Roma. Um, heading into this one, this was a big deal for me as a kid, seeing this. Oh. Yeah. This made power and glory for me like a legit team the way that they just kind of like dominated the rockers and the rockers was one of my favorite teams um at the time no, here. obviously i don't i don't remember watching it as i was a year old but um i noticed that uh sean was coming up kind of limp was that like part of like i uh, think he was hurt or was he like legit i think he was legit hurt and they and they they um they they put that into this story so it was a part of the storyline okay well, they, it, well, it wasn't at first, but they made it. A, right. they, they made it a thing. It Actually, just... this started um, on an episode of Superstars, July twenty first, nineteen ninety, when Paul Roma um, was attacked after his match by Dino Bravo, and the Rockers came out for the following match. And when Roma came to, he thought the Rockers attacked him. Um, the argument apparently turned physical, and then Roma was backed up by Hercules. Uh, one week later, Roma and Hercules appeared on the Brother Love Show. And formed the team known as Power and Glory, resulting in a match between these two teams at this SummerSlam. And here we are. Um, like I said, as a kid, I didn't I didn't watch this pay per view live. Actually, I ended up watching it um, on on tape. A friend of mine had purchased this and taped it, so I got to watch it probably a couple of days later, maybe a week later or so, um, not knowing what took place. And um, I just remember watching back as a youngster. And like I said, this was a big deal to me. That, you know, at least Power and Glory were because of the way that they kind of took out the Rockers and manhandled them in this match. Oh, oh, there's the pen. There's Slick. I like Slick. So, if we're all in agreement, Bobby, he is the greatest manager of all time. Absolutely. Everyone else is fighting for second place. I like to say Slick is probably the most underrated manager of all time. That's fair. That's a fair fair statement to make, yeah. Even look like the wrestlers, he was so good, but look like... What, was, what do you think his top star was as a manager? Maybe Akeem? Boss Man. Yeah, it's probably Boss Man. It's probably B- Boss Man, yeah. I mean, at top, at top of my head, Boss Man. I yeah. Mean, if I thought hard, I could probably... If you associate Slick with someone, I would probably have to say Boss Man. Akeem's not far behind because... I, I they always get... forget that, 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 that wrestler, uh, that African, African-American gentleman that... Uh, like, uh, Butch Reed? Butch Reed, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He managed Butch Reed for yeah. a time in WWF. Um Warlord, which you'll see yep. later on this show, Power and Glory, um, Akeem, Big Boss Man. Um, Do you even remember? And, and he had like, and the, like his stable or probably the weakest <laughs> or any manager of all time. And, yeah, but, he was, like, yeah, but yeah, he really made a name for himself. So I really believe I love that, Slick. That, that he now. might be the most underrated manager of all time. I would have to say, yeah, it's, not, right. it's a it's it's a fair statement. To he me. was like. A mid card manager. Yeah, exactly. Really about it. Very um, well said. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's like that's a weird thing to say. I guess. 
is it to call it that, but because you know, obviously he was he was, he was at the top. Of the he was low team. on the pecking order in terms of managers. Yeah, like you didn't like he might have one top guy, and it was and it was more than likely boss man. Yeah, when but boss just in man general, went. like definitely someone who was used for extra talent. But I mean, you know. Did you know that at one point he managed Kamala during his babyface run? No, no. When was that? Rick was it, this was in though? late '92. Okay, that's what. I, okay, early '93 when uh, they tried to turn Slick Baby. Well, they they, they turned know? Slick Babyface, and he was Reverend Slick. And then God, when Kamala lost the casket match to Undertaker, that's when he started having issues with Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi. And Slick was kind of like his savior. Like he was trying to save Kamala from the evil that was Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi. And that was a very short uh, run. And Slick was no longer with the company, I think, not long after that WrestleMania that year, 1993. But, um, yeah, he was a big deal back in... Uh, the uh, late 80s going into the... Oh, Kamala, uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kamala... Huge. Yeah, especially in the territory era. Um, when he came to the WWF, he was more of a cartoon. Right. But he was like... He was like what Umaga was. Um, yeah. You know, in the in, in the, the world-class days, and the, the I believe he wrestled in uh, uh, Mid-South for Bill Watts at so one sorry. point. But um, we see Gennetti pretty much working the majority of the match here with Roma, and this to me, I don't know what you guys think of it. We've we've discussed we've we've kind of discussed this before in terms of Paul Roma and his place in wrestling history, especially with his association with the Four Horsemen. But as a kid, because of this, at least in my mind, as a youngster, Paul Roma, like I said, this was a big deal. For me as a youngster, with him and Hercules kind of taking out um, the Rockers in this match. But when he became a horseman, everyone does that collective, huh? That when he was a horseman, but as a kid, I just remember being okay with it because of how he was built up at this time period. Right. What What are your take on him as a horseman? Uh, such a great question. Um well, uh, to to be brutally honest, I I would watch WCW, or uh, at that that uh, and whatever federation you know the the four horsemen. Yeah, it was WCW at the time. That 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 uh, that that that. But I was a WWE guy, so it's, it's a like, underrated finish right here. I'm sorry to cut you off. You got to see this. I like this finish. Yeah. Boom. Right in his face. And that's tip me right there. The cover that definitely like cements them as like. A I big, think, a big deal. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Dennis. No, no, no. That, uh, that, uh, that, so, 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 like the, like the four horsemen I can like remember, like you know, like Lex Luger, that, uh, you know, the um, Barry Windham, Arn Anderson, exactly. Tully Blanchard, that, names that, like uh, that. So, so when I saw Romo, uh, uh, Roma, I'm like, what the fuck? I really was so like, yeah. I don't okay. Know. It, it turned me off it, 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 because because I associated him as borderline jobber. You know. Okay. I I, I remember Ro, uh, Roma being more with Jimmy Powers and then even Hercules. Yep. That, that, yeah. That, uh, Young stallions. Yeah. 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 So I, I just remember him jobbing out all the time. Oh yeah. And even even like even, they were even throwing like like the Young Stallions and another jobber versus like you know Andre the Giant. Yeah. So, so like I'm just so used to him being a jobber. So, so I'm thinking. 
the most porn stable of WCW. He's in it. I'm he like, had no credibility. No credibility. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like Paul. Paul. I would say. I mean, I don't remember a lot of this, or don't remember when he joined the Horsemen, but ninety three. Well, I mean, like I don't recall. Yeah, him, yeah, yeah. Um, just being so young, but I would say that Paul Roma is, you know, kind of personifies that, you know, old saying in sports. You know, he looks good coming off the bus. That's really what. Huh. I like that. I mean, he just that's that's. I like that's that. it. I mean, I'm not saying he's not talented. And then the bell rang. Not as talented as he looks. Certainly not as talented as these two individuals here, Mr. Perfect, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, set what about to... Sean Mooney? Oh, Sean, Sean Mooney's Sean Mooney's got the chops. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> this match was originally supposed to be Perfect Beefcake, but Beefcake had that uh, boating accident and almost lost uh, the majority of his face. Um, so they inserted Texas Tornado in here. And actually, we talked about this in a, in a, in a group text, which I found out recently. Did not know this, but uh, uh, Kerry Von Erich was almost a part of WCW. Um, he pulled a no-show at a Clash of Champions, and he was set to be a part of like Sting's little babyface group to counter the Four Horsemen, uh, which was interesting. But um, imagine, had that not happened, had he stayed... And or decided to stay with with WCW and Beefcake didn't have a boating accident, you know what could have been with Beefcake as the as, as the the one to dethrone Mister Perfect. Yeah, I think his career and the Intercontinental Championship. His career trajectory would be completely different. You could argue he might have shot pretty far up close to the top of the ladder. Yeah. Um, and then a life, almost life threatening injury or accident takes place. But yeah, and then on the flip side, Kerry Von Erich, like. Probably still ends the same way for him at the end, unfortunately, to, yeah. to sound pretty crass, like, you know, in terms of what, you know, how his life ended, but, I mean, I, I honestly think he could have, like, if he kept the straight and narrow, he could have given Sting a run for his money as, like, the number one baby face in, in, in WCW at that time. Sting was popular, yeah. but Von Erich had something about him that just was, like, I don't know, like, I, I, I and, and it's funny, too, during this time period, you know, like I said, I watched this show days after it happened on tape, not realizing that Kerry Von Erich was the opponent for Mr. Perfect here. But I just remember my wrestling fan circle as a youngster was very small. It was pretty much just me. Most of my fans thought, most of my friends thought this shit was fake, <laughs> and and thought it was silly that I would that I would watch this. But the ones that did watch. You know, they would have no idea who some of these guys were that came in. And I only knew of Kerry Von Erich because of the magazines, the after mags. So when he came in and was a surprise in this match here, um, I was, I, I, I was, I thought I was the coolest kid in school. Like, 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 yeah, Kerry Von Erich, Texas, you know, the Texas tournament. He wrestled in Texas in world class. And, you know, he had a couple of brothers and et cetera, et cetera. So, like, I thought, like, I was, you know, too cool for school uh, when it came to uh, my, my wrestling knowledge at the time. Everyone was like, who's this guy? And then I would tell him and they'd be like, oh, okay. But I knew that because of the magazines here. Um, I believe this was also the time period where he was wrestling with one foot. He's got a prosthesis. Yeah, I think yeah. that happened in the late 80s. That, I want, yeah. Yeah, so, and then that was kept under wraps. What exactly did happen? It's a motorcycle, motorcycle accident. accident. That's right. Like yeah. the, I think the bike fell on that leg in the accident, and that's what it was, and those things are not fucking light, so. And then, I guess, like, leg. rehab, like, there was a chance that he could keep the foot, but, like, he he, 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 tra- he either rehabbed too hard, or he 
he messed it up again and yeah i think he might have fucked it up again and not really followed his uh instructions if you will but uh it it was one of those like i think it was a pretty well kept secret for a while from what i even understood. during this run too i think uh, but then eventually i think it became a pretty bad kept secret yeah um over time um uh, even at, towards the end of his career. Now, but. I forget which foot it is, but, you know, he wrestles with, like, the tassels around his boots. Yeah, yeah. But you could tell, looking at which foot it is, that, like, one of those boots is thicker than the other. Right. Um, and we can probably try to spot that out um, during this match here. But, um, yeah, man. What, man? Kerry Von Erich, to me, is, like, one of those guys that, like... What could have been? Yeah. So much potential. Just, like... But I don't know. I mean, at the same time, like... I think it's the right one. You gotta argue... You gotta say, too, it's not like he wasn't given every opportunity. No, no, no. That was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. But his... But, yeah, he squandered that, too. Um, You know, and and the only reason he... To be fair, he... The only reason he got it is because his brother died. You know, and that like, was probably going to go to his brother. Well, yeah, it was probably well, going to go to his brother. Well, well whether or not that was going to go to his brother at the time is it was is speculation. But in terms of you know him getting it when he did, it was on the heels of his brother dying. Yeah. But then on top of that, like I remember Michael Hayes tells a story. You know, everybody, everybody in the locker room is mourning the loss of their friend, and you know, we missed colleague, David. Yeah, they they, they they were mourning <laughs> do, do, David, do. <laughs> and they're about to run the. At the time, like the biggest show in the history of wrestling in terms of attendance, Texas and Stadium, and, yeah, the yeah, parade of champions. Um, that record didn't get broken until WrestleMania 32, actually, um, in terms of attendance in the state for, of Texas for wrestling. Yeah, okay. Um, at least that's what Jimmy Garvin said at the Hall of Fame the night before, um, and I tend to believe that there was like thirty something thousand people there. So and yeah. that's a big number. So, anyways, they're you know they're all getting ready, doing all getting ready for their matches and for the big show and everything and. You know, these guys are all, you know, they're mourning the loss of David. You know, their wrestling brother. And then his actual brother, Carrie, who's going to be fighting Nature Boy Ric Flair in the biggest match of his career, just sitting there rubbing baby oil on himself, just kind of, you know, checking himself out in the mirror. Like, you would have never... And Michael Hayes like, it's your brother, dude. Yeah. He's the one that... Your, your brother's the one that died. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, we all can't get through the day and look at you just kind of, you know... Here I everyone, go. Every, everyone copes differently, though. Yeah, well, yeah, but still. I mean, you know, it, from his experience, you know, it sounds like Carrie's was certainly a eccentric character, to say the least. And that, you know, the legend of that family. You could say of, they all were, if you think about it. Right, that's what I mean. Like, they're all very fucking weird cats, the way they were raised. You know, I don't want to, you know, say that the, the narrative of Fritz beat up the kids and made them wrestle is, is you know, tried and true. But, I mean, they have a very interesting uh life upbringing yeah so i mean yeah it seems like it just you know another day at the office even though like the whole state of texas is you know at a loss because they lost david von eric you know so it's weird it's funny I, the way he tells the story is kind of funny but like you know baby oil you know spraying the hair making sure oh, everything's wow. in place i never knew, I never then, knew that yeah I, never heard that I think one. it was like one of those like legends of wrestling round tables they were talking about it, and Michael Hayes kind of like said he thought to himself like, "Bro, that's your brother. <laughs> like, yeah. what's wrong? Like, we're all sitting here like can't Crying, even tie yeah. our our boots up because yeah. we're so upset, and here you are." But hey, you know, I think he had the title for eighteen days. Yeah, and, and I believe he had, if I'm not mistaken, one of those matches he had a uh, he wrestled Flair twice around the horn during that. One of them was a rematch, and then. 
that Carrie had won, or there was some kind of finish where Carrie still was the champion. But then, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, like after that uh, was when they decided to put the, the belt back on Flair because he wasn't making all the dates. Well, I also tend to believe, and I could be wrong, and I'm sure anyone who's there can certainly attest to it otherwise, I tend to believe that he wasn't going to be the champion long anyways. I thought it was just a transitional thing for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I gather. I think the legend and the lore of, um, you know, for the lack of better words, of who the Von Eriks are and, again, the dark side of them, Mm -hmm. I think kind of plays to that narrative that he just fucked up and couldn't keep the belt. My guess is that he wasn't going to keep it long regardless. Flair was going to be the champion, you know, very quickly. Or Dusty or Harley or whoever, but. Have any? Have either of you uh, watched any world class stuff on the network? Not really. Yeah, I, I I've heard. I, I've watched some of it. I remember I started the collection of all their stuff, and I ended up getting I think to the Star Wars show when when With the feud started. Yeah. What uh, I love about world class was the crowd. The crowd made it. Uh, uh, that's a great point. Electric. That's an electric crowd. But but what what didn't make it? There's different styles of like. Wrestling is weird. Like each territory has a different style to it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, I, I, like being, 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 being spoiled on on the northern east coast, where it's a high production, yep, and like like real like storyline, like that. It was like if I could do do an analogy, like you know, we're the Hulk Hogan, like or even more current John Cena, right? Yep. The John Cena wrestling that really was like the. The Cody Rhodes wrestling, where it's, the work rate is awesome. They tell a story in the ring, but once it's over, it's, it's like it's just stopped in it, the ring. It wasn't, you know as, I mean? it wasn't as flashy on a production level. Well, and, for its time, apparently it was. Though. Yeah, people give a lot of credit to the to the innovations that they made on a production side for the time. The character the introductions 80s, with the vignettes, just, just the, the the multiple camera shoot. Yeah. You know, most wrestling microphones of these were the out of a studio and they were like one camera, you know, and that was it. And then, you know, it was also it was a studio format and they took the oh, the arena it. format. Perfect sold that. Amazing. They took the arena format to uh you know they invented it in many respects. Yeah, and I think you know you look at what Vince McMahon did, obviously, and here we are. But um, I, I think for its time, it's been lauded for having great production value and, and great um, innovation. But uh, I had never understood that the you know as I look as I as I watch some of it, I never got the idea that they were great workers. You know, I never knew that Texas was good for its workers. I I always looked at them as like. I don't want to say hardcore, but they were the, they were they were a little bit more of a wild west blood and guts, that's a good point type of wrestling. If you wanted wrestling, you could go to Crockett, you could go to the AWA, um, even maybe emotionally invested yeah. stories. I guess you could, yeah, you yeah, could yeah, probably yeah, say it's like what world class was. I mean, with the with the Freebird, especially the Freebird Von Eric story, but like um, some yeah. of the other stuff. We I were mean, getting Matt classics and. and for the most part, they weren't built on that. But I will say, Dennis, to your point about those crowds, especially with the Von Erich boys, you go back and you watch some of that stuff. Like, the those pops, especially from the female contingent of the audience, when those, when those guys came out, man, like, it was nothing that I had ever heard before. Like, the, no. the, the, the screeching of the girls, like, you, it reminds me a lot of the old videos that you could still have access to 
with the Beatles. When the Beatles arrived yeah. into the United States and you hear all the women just screaming, that reminded me a lot. People, people, you know, use that cliche a lot. Like, oh, it was like the Beatles. It was like the Beatles. Like, those pops from those girls when those Von Erich boys came out were definitely very Beatles-esque. Like, with the just the insane obsession that the female audience had for those boys. And I think a lot of that had to do with it being all... the that the fact that they were local, they were from the area. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like their hometown heroes, so to speak. Yeah. Well, when I went to WrestleMania in Texas, I think I brought it home for you. It was a newspaper and a newspaper, right. old newspaper stand, and they were kind of advertising in the newspaper stand that WrestleMania was in town, and the 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 front page of it was an old picture of the Von Erichs from World Class, and it was kind of like you know that they were you know wrestling of this magnitude was coming back to Dallas. Yeah, and it hadn't been this you know, buzz in this town for wrestling since those days. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty neat. It kind of lets you know, like, still what the Von Erichs, what that name meant, maybe even means to this day still, um, in the in that area of North Texas. So here's my question, gentlemen, before we go on to, like, the next match, per se. Yep. So, Warrior, uh, you know, is uh, wins, wins both titles at WrestleMania. Yep. So, of course, he has to drop the IC title. How did the IC title get to Mr. Perfect? I tournament. I remember that. It was a tournament on Superstars, and he defeated Tito Santana to win the Intercontinental Championship. And it's funny. I actually have a picture of it on my phone. Um, but when Perfect won the match, the finals of the tournament to beat Tito, he had help from Bobby Heenan, and that's how Bobby Heenan became his manager because originally he was with the Genius. But they didn't, for some reason, they didn't have the Intercontinental Championship in the building that night. So Perfect had to hold up the tag team title, and it was backwards. Oh, that's hilarious. Now, now let, let's move on to the next match here as we see Sh- Sherry in the ring. She's scheduled to face Sapphire. Justin, you might have heard this story, but I don't know if you've heard this, Dennis. So this match here stems from the rivalry with Savage and Dusty because Sherry was Queen Sherry with Savage, and Dusty had Sapphire. So they're going to do this singles match here. Yep. So before this match... All the live events, house shows, it's Dusty and Sapphire with Elizabeth in their corner against Savage and Sherry with Brother Love in their corner. Okay? All over the country. It's like when they would run two towns, that was the main event. And Warrior was on the other card, or Hogan. Anyhow, long story short, apparently Sherry had some issues working with Sapphire, not because of the fact that she wasn't a worker, but the fact that she didn't have the greatest hygiene. So I guess she went to Sapphire a couple of times and said, hey, you mind washing your ring gear? I can kind of smell you. It's not, you know, we're going to be working together. And there were some spots in the match where, like, Sapphire would, like, take her butt and almost kind of, like, do, like, a stink face spot to, to Sherry. And apparently her gear was not kept very well groomed, so to speak. And so Sherry had about enough of it. And one night after a match, she went into the locker room and literally grabbed Sapphire and threw her into the shower and turned the shower on and threw all her gear into the shower. Wow. And after that, Sapphire was the cleanest (laughs) out of them all. (laughs) And she kept her ring gear pretty clean. Why is it stalling? Because Sapphire right now is not coming out. And this is to set up her involvement in... 
later with the million dollar man Ted DiBiase when she would become his when he would buy her so to speak Um, in the weeks leading up to this match they would do vignettes where Sapphire would get these anonymous gifts you know a brand new car a cruise around the world a mink coat diamond earrings all this shit and Dusty would be like where are you getting this stuff from and she wouldn't really reveal it she would it was it was a mystery to the audience and later it would be revealed that Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase had bought Sapphire. So Rene uh, Goulet, Rene Goulet, which uh, he re- had recently passed away, I think. Uh, About that was a, like a couple years ago, I think. Yeah. Oh, a couple years ago. Okay, I thought it was like a year ago. Maybe, yeah, maybe a year. But ago. maybe, uh, maybe we found out a year ago, and a couple of years ago he had passed away. But yeah, Rene Goulet. I always wondered who he was um, as a kid when he would, you know, come out and break up the fights and shit like that. Um, uh, last May. May 25th, okay. 2019. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, this is the, this is pretty much like Sapphire's not coming out, um, and Sherry's going to kind of accept a forfeit. Um, I think they give her one more chance to uh, to come out here. Let's play the audio well, for a second. Thing you, uh, you know there was not going to be a match. She's in heels. Yeah. Yeah. She's not in really ring gear. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's true. She runs around barefoot a lot. That's true. So that there is a automatic victory for Scary Sherry over Sweet Sapphire, baby. That's right, baby. Sweet Sapphire. She got a diamond ring. She got a mink coat. She got a cruise around the world. I got to find my Sweet Sapphire. Yeah, that, well, I'll play that promo later. That, that, that was part of this show. Um, and this was a very rare occurrence during this time of a women's match on a pay-per-view. Here we go. This is it right here. Dusty Road. Let's listen to Dusty Baby. I saw you and Sapphire arrive here today at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Perhaps you can shed some light on Sapphire's current whereabouts. I tell you, Mean Gene, I don't know. I wish I knew what she was. Ten minutes after we got to the building, she disappeared. And I went looking for her. I searched the building high and low. I looked in every nook and cranny. Asked every security guard. I said, hey, have you seen Sweet Sapphire? It's almost as she disappeared in the thin air. I don't mind telling you, Mean Gene, and everyone who's listening. I'm worried. I'm worried big time. Because you've never done anything like this before. Hey, Hacksaw, have you seen Sapphire, baby? No, no, I haven't, Dust. But we're all still looking for her. <laughs> well, what about these gifts she's been receiving, Dusty? I know you've been concerned about the anonymous and certainly the lavish nature of them. You bet I'm concerned, Gene, because nobody gets something for nothing. But that's not my business. It's Sweet Sapphire's business. And besides, she's been the happiest she's ever been. She got a diamond ring. She got a full-length mink coat. She got a diamond and sapphire necklace. She got a cruise around the world. She got a gold bracelet. And she got a brand new Cadillac. But baby, where is she? I'm sorry, Gene. I got to go and find Sapphire. All right, as the search for Sapphire continues, I'm reminded that she did say she'd be receiving the biggest gift of all here at SummerSlam. 
Unfortunately, however, it looks as if she may not be here to receive it. Vince, let's get back to you. <laughs> I like how Hacksaw is just like, oh, nope, amazing. we're going to find her. Yeah. You know, next time they do like a, like a retro Raw or like, you know. They need to bring the set back, yes, the locker room set. I was just going to talk that about that. Fake ass locker room. I loved it. Back. Yeah, I, lo- I loved the um, the old lockers with the pay phone. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, granted, I know we got to keep up with the times here. Um, bring it back for, like I said, the retro shows, the, the In Your House Here's another guy, part of the uh, the the mid card stable of uh, the the warlord and um, and uh, you know uh, slick, if you will, um, and making his way to the ring is one Tito Santana. The would you say that Dolph Ziggler of today is probably the Tito Santana of this era? Um, no. And I, did I tell you why? You're you're underselling um, Dolph, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler, for a limited time, made it to the top. Tito Santana, yeah, Tito Santana made it to two-thirds of the top. That, that uh, you're underselling Dolph Ziggler when you say that. Okay. Well, here's the other thing, too. The other thing about Tito that I think people... Like, Tito has never seen... like. It's also the way wrestling people think. Like, people wanted to see Dolph Ziggler get to the top. Like, there was this, there was this like clamoring for people to climb the ladder. No one was ever clamoring for anyone to climb the ladder. You know, in the Hulk Hogan days. That's you good. Know what I mean, like, if you were a Tito, you were you you were where you were, and you worked hard, and we cheered for you, and that was the end of the day. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, that's that's kind of like, good point. Like, you weren't. There was a ceiling, but it was like an accepted, like almost like a social contract of like these wrestlers are where they are. Um, and I think Tito was like the personification of that. He was just a lifetime mid-carder who, you know, is a Hall of Famer. Yep. And he deserves it. You know, yeah. one of the, really one of the all-time greats. So This is another match that was originally supposed to be something else. It was um, Tito was supposed to face Rick Martel, the big blow-off match, um, after Martel had turned on him a year prior. Um, they never really had a big pay-per-view match per se, and apparently these two were supposed to meet at this SummerSlam, but Martel got injured, and the excuse on TV was he was involved in a modeling competition and hurt himself <laughs> That's good. over in Paris, That's so really they good. replaced him with the Warlord. But I kind of call bullshit on that because Martel wrestled the WrestleMania match with Coco Beware a few months prior to this, and why wouldn't you do Tito and Martel at WrestleMania? That makes, yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good point. I, I, I don't get that. But um, but that was kind of like the thing that they, like, they never stacked cards. I mean, like, we've talked about this. Like, you, you know, they'll just, like, put a match out there that was unannounced on a WrestleMania. Of, like, yeah. These random fuck, like, it was always, like, a two, three card match, you know. Build up. Three match card where it was, yeah. like, all about one or two matches, right? And then these just, just filler. You know, yeah, like that's a good point. Like, yeah. Now you want every match to be every match needs a story. Yeah. yeah. Every match is a big deal. Like, yeah. Um, it's just different. I feel like. Yeah, back then, well, like yeah, they, sure they would guys would it. guys would create an issue, or they would they would create an issue just off of an announcement that the two guys were going to be meeting at, at a pay per view. There wouldn't be a, an issue, and then the match gets you know, I, you gets know made. To be fair, I missed that. I do too. I, I, there, I there's that, parts of me that missed that as well. Like. You don't have, you like you can you can adequately get get the point across that winning matters, 
by just having a match and wanting to win it. Yeah. And wanting to beat the opponent in a way that expresses that you're really fucking good at wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have to sit there and... You stole overly, my girlfriend. Yeah, or, it doesn't have to be overly yeah. complicated. Yeah. No, that's they, a good point. They, yeah, sometimes simple storytelling is the best storytelling. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, so right. to speak. Right. If they're trying to win matches, I say this all the time now, if they're trying to win matches and they believe they're trying to win matches... Those are usually the better wrestlers. And, and people are going to get into them. Yeah. Yeah. And here's Slick again. That's my man. He didn't like, do a costume change like the rest of the the rest of the man. Yeah, that's usually Jimmy Hart's... Uh, Bobby Heenan used to do it, too. Every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah good I will point. say, and I, I forgot to mention when in that previous match with Perfect, that, that jacket Bobby Heenan has is probably my favorite jacket. You like that one? That yes. tan one? With, like, the... Yeah, I think that's badass. If really? I was out there, I'd wear it for sure. I like that's not bad. I like the the his sequins that he would have the sequin sport coat, like whether it's the red one um, or you know the, the 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 North Carolina blue one. But my favorite Bobby Heenan uh, ring attire of all time. Well, actually, there's two. Um, the the outfit he wore at WrestleMania three with Andre the the all, the all white that was yeah. really good. And then I liked the. Um, the he used to it was like a, a purple sports coat but he would wear like a like a like a v-neck shirt like a yes. black v-neck underneath yes it was like yeah the, working with when he did that the brain busters yes he yes. was with arn and tully yep. the flying burrito yep. oh excuse me <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's a who, who would come up with that one jesse ventura yeah. Chico Santana. Chico Santana. Um, In fact, he's got a book out, Tito, that says, I'm not, it's it's titled, uh, I'm not Chico, or something cool. like that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I was gonna, I had something on the, the on the tongue, the sorry, about, I didn't mean to interrupt um, you. About Bobby. Um, when I was at WrestleMania 35, um, I was at Fan Access, which they held in a fucking warehouse in Pier 9 in Brooklyn. Um, I would say, you don't sound too pleased with that. No, <laughs> the no way you just I'm said. not. Like it's New York City, and they couldn't find get the Javits Center. Yeah, well, yeah. Like there's the 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 uh, lack of event space to hold a fan fest is terrible. So, like for instance, you know, I would say probably the two worst locations for access were the both ones in New York. We, yeah. When we went for 29, it was at it was in the eight. It was in the, in the atrium of the Izod Center. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some stuff. The old Meadowlands. Yeah, it was. Ridiculous, but this one was that, slightly better. It was a little bit better. It was in, like I said, it was in a, in a like a warehouse on Pier Nine in Brooklyn, right on the water. Beautiful view. You can see, you know, all this, you know, you know, the southern tip of Manhattan and everything. Anyways, I bumped into. I didn't actually converse with him, or I just saw him, but I bumped into Peter Rosenberg that that Saturday morning when I, we went to Access, and he was wearing a Bobby Heenan like black. The satin jacket yep, with the, the with the sequin yep. BH on it. Yeah, yep. I've seen him wear that before. Yeah. Yep. So and that's I think how he got I actually. One, I think he got one made. Him. I think so. Yeah, I think he got I, one made. He, I, that's actually how I knew he was like. I was like, wait, who? Is, oh shit, that's the Survivor Series. Teams of five strive to survive. Thanksgiving night. I wish they brought that. Like, I wish it was Thanksgiving night or yeah, Thanksgiving I mean, Eve. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's something that's probably advisable in terms of selling tickets or anything like that. But that's cool as shit, you know what I mean? And that Survivor Series that they're advertising was the one from Hartford that you were at, Dennis. Yeah. Which I hope to do a watch-along of that Survivor Series in November. Um, I know we were supposed to do it last year, Dennis, 
but uh, schedule conflicted and we couldn't get it done. But we're gonna do it. Uh, hopefully, we're gonna do it on the 30th anniversary. I'm very uh, proud that that arguably was in attendance to the worst pay per view in the history. I'm, I'm proud of that. Do you think that was the worst pay per view in the history? It's, it's up there. It's Survivor Series 1990. It's gotta be up there, man. All right. Well, what's the best match on the card? I couldn't even tell you a match on the card. I just, as a fan, know that's the night yeah, The Undertaker no. debuted. Alright, yeah, I guess that. It was the highlight of, of, of the event. Undertaker the Googly Gawker. The Googly Gawker. The most remember. <laughs> the Gobbly Gooker? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> the go- I'm, no, no, no. Googly Gawker is better. He's, he's Googly Gawker for yeah, Googly Gawker. Gentlemen, isn't that the most memorable thing, though? Of rest of, uh, no, Undertaker the debuting. Undertaker debuting is fucking clearly serious? the most memorable thing. You thought thing. the egg was cool? No, it sucked. Well, okay, but you're saying it's mean? the most memorable. I mean, ugh. I mean, I. I mean, I guess. I mean, I couldn't tell you any matches that were on that card. These are your favorites, right? Demolition, fav- Dominatrix. I mean, Demolition. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you think of Crush as the third guy? I hated it. You hated it. A it lot of Demolition it. longtime fans hated but, but it. But it's not broken. Don't fix it. But I mean, it Axe, clearly was broken. But other... Axe was broken. He yeah. couldn't wrestle anymore. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I want honestly. I wanted Demolition to... Now, this is my favorite match on the card here. The two out of three falls, Demolition against the Hart Foundation. And the stipulation was um, was that only two members of Demolition could be in the match after there was after they had introduced Crush. They kind of turned Demolition heel because they were babyfaces at WrestleMania defeating Andre and Haku, yep. which was Andre's last WWF match. And on that same card... At WrestleMania, the Hart Foundation decisively defeated the Bolsheviks in in like 10 seconds or something. And I think it was after that match, there was a post-match promo in the locker room where the Hart Foundation declared that they wanted a shot at the tag team titles. And Demolition had won them prior um, uh, to the Hart Foundation match on that WrestleMania show. Um, So anyhow, not long after that, they introduced Crush. They turned them heel. And... um, I like the jackets here from uh, yeah. Heart Foundation. I like the 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 hat Anvil has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the little the, the little pink beret here. Is that a beret? I, th- I guess uh, something like that. Yeah. It's something you would never wear in public. Let's let's let's, let's play the audio. I must admit, it's been a little confusing, but I thought all along it was going to be the two original and most experienced members of Demolition, Axe and Smash. What about you, Anvil? What do you think? Federation Tag Team Champions. And now, since we only have to worry about two demolition, you can bet that the Heart Foundation, we're gonna make flatliners out of Axe and Crush. Yeah, demolition! After the heart attack we're gonna give you, you'll be buying pacemakers by the truckload, baby! Yeah! Just like Phil Collins says, what we have here are two hearts beating as one. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good promo. That's a good promo, yeah. yeah. Usually it's like one says something, then the other, and then they send it back. But they kind of went back and forth a little bit, you know. The textbook, you know, hokey wrestling stuff. But that's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. One of the uh, the, the better heart foundation Settle promos. down, Anvil. Yeah. 
That, and the Phil Collins reference yeah. at the end was pretty good. I like that as well. Yeah. Here they are, Brett and the Anvil making their way down to the ring. And by this time, they were like tag team royalty. So and they were towards the end. So yeah, this is the, the this was the last run of them as a team um, that would go till WrestleMania Seven when they would lose to the Nasty Boys um, and their and lose their tag team titles. But um, yeah, this is a great match. Just one of my favorites. Uh, uh, Heart Foundation matches, but one of my favorite SummerSlam matches of all time. That's a good one. Um, this one, uh, LOD made... Yes, this is LOD's debut. Um, I mean, they'd been on TV before, and they kind of alluded to a rivalry with Demolition, um, which to me, as a, as a kid, this was probably one of the, the, the things I remember most, was when LOD made their their way into this match later on as we'll watch it. Um, we never really got to see a big payoff with them in demolition. And I'm, I was disappointed as a kid because I just looked at them as two like larger than life entities with the face paint and the, the LOD with the spikes and demolition with the masks. And I, w- I was really, as a youngster, I always questioned, well, why didn't they have a match at a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania? Or, you know what I mean? And I thought it was a, a missed opportunity that they didn't have a, a match on a larger scale. Absolutely. It said, uh, if they booked uh, LOD and uh, Demolition, right? That could have been one of the few times. I know there's been tag team matches that made a event a pay-per-view, but it's always a special attraction tag team. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that could have been like the first legitimate, like, for the tag team championship like like the really like the main event like two established teams yeah, to do a main event on pay per view could have been like the tag team equivalent of like Hogan versus Warrior or like yeah. Hogan versus Savage like yeah somebody's got to win and somebody's exactly. got to lose like you I know. just felt like it was a wasted opportunity like they put like they would do six mans with like Warrior teaming with LOD against Demolition and like I think they they headlined the Saturday night's main event but Survivor Series later this year would be Demolition all three teaming with Mr. Perfect to take on Ultimate Warrior, LOD, and Texas Tornado. Oh, that's right. Um, which was like one of the featured matches. In fact, they opened that Survivor Series card. But if you if you remember and you follow the trajectory of both Demolition and LOD following that, they had appearances in the Royal Rumble match in 1991. But WrestleMania Seven, it was Demolition against Tenru and Katow and LOD against Power and Glory in two basically meaningless matches of wrestlemania 7 i honestly thought like i said we would see demolition and road warriors and a big pay-per-view in a in a featured bout and we never got to see that and i thought it was a i thought it was a a, a super missed opportunity um i i mean i feel like watching the lod uh documentary on on wwe network i know that they had the narrative that they are proclaiming was that um, demolition just wasn't over enough, and you gotta be me. Uh, and then putting them up against LOD, it just didn't really seem it didn't seem like a good fit. But to me, I just think that I I don't know. I I was really disappointed. Demolition was one of the 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 anchors of the tag team division for the last several years, and even though they switched it up with Crush here, um, they were still over. They they, they were still a, a pretty popular team. Yeah. I mean, on the fantasy booking card. Of fantasy matches that never happened, that's certainly on it for sure. Yeah, 
badly. That should have been WrestleMania seven right yeah. there, in my opinion. Whether it was yeah. whether it was for the titles or not, like that should have been that should have been saved for WrestleMania, and then like you could have then that's when you could have probably walked you know wiped demolition you know off the off the face of the earth after that match. You know what I mean? And then repackaged them like they obviously they repackaged uh, Smash into Repo Man and. <laughs> Crush would look like, uh, you know, Fanta soda can. Uh, yeah, Fanta soda can is a good one. Yeah, uh, later in '92. Yeah, doink the fucking clown. Doink the fucking clown. Doink the fucking clown. I'm telling you right now. I've said this before, and I, and I, I'm sure that I will talk about it at great length on a, on another podcast. But doink the clown. Two years, three years prior to his debut in WWF, would have been main event in the SummerSlam against Hulk Hogan. Or Doink the Clown. Evil Doink the Clown. Matt Matt Bourne. Yeah. Okay? He came in in 93. Late 92, early 93. A couple of years prior to that, if they went with that gimmick, he would have been main event in a SummerSlam against the Hulk Hogan. I tell you what, Matt Bourne as a wrestler is so fucking good. And that was such a... When he was... I think it's funny that... that, that, uh, you know how you you know yeah, get some gimmicks jump the shark per se. I that uh, he he it's weird that, that that his gimmick jumped the shark in WWF, but then when he left to go to like ECW whatever, then he did the doink like that split personality. Matt Bourne. Yeah, he couldn't call himself that, doink, so he had that, to like take. Oh, it was yeah. so good. That was his best work. That, yeah. that was like a masterpiece. Do, so, you know, do you know that he was once Big Josh yeah. in WCW? He was like the lumberjack. Yeah. And this is a great this is a great story. So he was this lumberjack, Big Josh, and he would come down to the ring. There was a pay per view. He re- it was a super brawl. He wrestled. I forget who he wrestled on the card, but he came down with two grizzly bears, like real grizzly oh, bears. I do remember this? Yeah. Okay. And the Bears were so scared to be out of their element and in front of a, an arena with thousands of people that one of the Bears pissed on the ramp all the way down to the oh, ring. Oh, poor guy. And you could see it as he's walking down to the ramp. That's my only memory of Big Josh, but I'm sorry. I, um, so I just actually recently gave my WWE Network password to uh, my niece and my nephew, and they watched WrestleMania 9. And I was kind of like quizzing my nephew. He's five, so I was quizzing. I'm like, all right, so like, who are your favorite guys? What'd you like? You know, what you what, what you didn't like? And he doesn't remember names, but he's like, I like the clown. I'm like, oh, there you go. Like? And then he goes, over like yeah. And then, so the name he gave the clown before he, I told him it was Doink, was uh, two two clown the cheater, yeah. because he did the two. Yeah. It was the two clowns showed up yeah. on that card. So I thought that was kind of funny. He was like, two, he's like, two clown the cheater. I, I like him. And I'm like, okay, cool. His name's Doink. He's like, okay. And then another thing, which I, I, didn't, I didn't give him the Iggy beforehand or anything like that, but he is already a sick of Hulk Hogan shit. He didn't like uh, that. He didn't like, uh, the, as a five-year-old, he did not like that finish. Uh, he, go, I, he, he said he called Hulk Hogan too many belts Hogan. Oh, mm-hmm. oh get a out of here. A five-year-old. A oh. five-year-old with no... You need to change your password. <laughs> I loved. I like. I said. I, he, he goes. He goes. Too many belts, Hogan. I'm like, what? Uh, What'd you call him? And he, they said it again. And I was like, I fucking love you, man. That kid. No. <laughs> With no Iggy, nothing. <laughs> that kid is not going places. I'll tell you that right now. And we're all tied up one apiece here in these two falls with demolition and the Heart Foundation in this two out of three falls match. 
So what were you saying, Dennis? I have to say, if Hogan did wrestle in 2020, that'd be like like exactly too too, uh, too many belts, Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, but yeah, that, that kid. You need to change That's your password. Funny. He got. Yeah, my brother-in-law was trying to show him some stuff, and he kind of asked me, "He's like, so like, what, what what should I show him? Like, that would be good." Are they you know? are they into it now, like the current um, wrestling, or do they just know no, because of you? The current, yeah, yeah, they're not into the current wrestling. So like, my brother-in-law is probably like your age, Dave, maybe a year or two older. Um, so like, thirty-seven. He remember, yeah, he he knows like this type, this WWF, okay, nineteen nineties, late eighties. Um, See now that's a so, stand-up guy right there. So he asked, so I so I asked him. So he's like, "What should I show?" This him? kid on the other hand, he wants to like show him the Royal Rumble, you know, because oh, that's something go. that a kid could watch. One, yeah. So I go. was like, "92 Royal Rumble, duh!" But not only you know is it, a, a, you know, the, the names alone, like yeah. you, you could point out names. And then they found they must have found WrestleMania nine along the way. So you know they were and his favorite, I guess my brother in law's favorite wrestler when he was a kid was Ultimate Warrior. So uh, I mean. I, so the, I, I take back what I said. I'm just kidding. So, Man, so, this family you got so, here. I'll so let me tell they, you. Um, so, yeah. So, I know that they said they had watched WrestleMania 9 and some some of the 92 Royal Rumble. But, yeah, they, you know, they're, they're not like... They're casual fans. They're just, yeah, picking through it, whatever. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. No, that's cool. That's Two cool. Clown the that's Cheater cool. and Too Many Belts Hogan. That, that, that's like, cool. <laughs> sounds about right. That's cool. Fits right in. If they, they would have wrestled, too, with uh, Doink and Hogan, that would have been a cool concept of, like... You you never know when the second doink would be like is he, is he under the ring is he gonna flashbacks yeah. to the two Hebners yeah. from when Hogan lost to Andre you get the two doinks yeah. of course Hogan would win and he'd beat both, the, both I just doinks, feel like but... heel doink was so underrated and like he was good. he was brought in at the wrong time I feel like I feel like heel doink would have been accepted more in this era. Like yes. 1990, 91 even. You know what I mean? I like, think... And I feel like because he was so good as a as a evil clown, that he def- I feel like he would have definitely had a run with Hogan, in, in, Warrior, even Savage, you know, his baby face. In a cinematic Firefly Funhouse oh, type yeah. match, paint Brent Y up and dress him up as Doink and really fuck with whoever he's wrestling for. Like, That'd be kind of cool. In those like, alternate universe like trippy yeah. scenes that they do. That'd be kind of cool, yeah. He turns around and he thinks he's wrestling Bray. He goes for the punch, you know, the guy, poof, disappears. Yeah. He turns around and who's there? Doink. Doink the clown. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Evil Doink. Well, that'd be cool shit. Yeah. I can some get... mirror tricks and shit. I can get behind mirrors. that. I can that'd get be a neat that. little spot. That's what I think they're going to do at, what's the next pay-per-view or... Uh, Extreme rules. Extreme rules. So they, yeah. they're, they're gonna do. They're gonna do uh, like um, uh, um, Bray and Braun. Bra- Braun Strowman. Uh, that, 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 uh, Heart attack. Uno, dos, That's gonna tied up at one. No, they'll be. No. This is for the win. Oh, oh you know right? what? Never mind. I'm wrong. This so demolition already it was in the lead. This gives the Hart Foundation the second fall here because he, he DQs him. Because yep. he DQs him. I'm sorry, I was mistaken. As we were watching this, because Crush is a fucking idiot. What a dummy. Seriously, no wonder why. Well, I mean, he would have theoretically it was their finish. He would have. No, they would have been pinned anyways. Yeah. No, I'm just messing around. But yeah, this is uh, that that was the big moment here to tie things up. Two out of three falls as we go into the third fall now. Where things get pretty hairy. Anvil checking on Brett. 
I'm sorry, Dennis. You were saying. Oh, and I know. I know. Technically, we're talking about something that <laughs> that already happened, but but, but hasn't happened yet. That uh, that that. But I think that's what's going to happen. Some kind of cinematic type yeah, of match. Yeah, Bray is uh, the cult leader. Bray is gonna it's going to uh, lose to Braun, but then like afterwards, he doesn't. Uh, the fiend comes, but doesn't attack Braun. He attacks the cult leader and finally like finishes him off. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I think, an escalation to eventually get to the okay. thing, but, you know. I mean, okay. back to 1990. Um, we just so, saw Axe yeah. slide under the ring. Um, the old switcheroo. Yeah, which, like, I never understood why they, like, even as a kid, like, when they tried to say, when they, because Axe will get involved in this match. He will replace Smash. And how does the referee not know that Axe and <laughs> Smash look fucking different? Smash has got longer hair. Axe has got brand new fresh face paint on. Smash is losing the majority of his paint because he's sweating so much during the match. The Even referees it, are idiots. They're actual dummies. That's why they don't call them by name anymore, right? We talked about that in the yeah, McMahonisms yeah. because they're fucking idiots, right? Yeah, Apparently. They're, yeah, they're dumb. They're, yeah. They're, they, didn't, they, they might have graduated high school. That's probably about it. That's why they miss so many blown calls. Yeah, they're worse their... than Major League Baseball umpires. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Yeah, they just, they're, they're, their IQ is... Is in the shitter. I always like this move here. This is kind of cool. I like that, like reverse scoop double slam. team tandem <laughs> offense here by Brett and Anvil. Because if you think about it, other than that and the heart attack, they never really had like a double team kind of like tag team style of wrestling. They all they just kind of like they were a team in name and by look. And there we see the switch. Axe gets back in the you know he's gonna get back in the ring. Like I said, I don't know how the referee does not know that that is not Smash, but nonetheless. And Brett, just playing along, as usual. We got a fresh guy in this match here. But this was towards the end of Axe's run when things were just not going well. How is it well that no him. one cares at ringside? Like, none of the fans are like, yo, look. Like, they're, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, they're not, like, as into it as you would think. Good point. I didn't see, they're yeah. just sitting there like, eh, here we are. Yeah. SummerSlam. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. You know what, too, also, like, either... Either the audience wasn't aware of the stipulation ahead of time, which I would imagine they were if they, you know, were getting into this match. But I don't think during this era that the audience would get to see the backstage promos and the interviews from I don't the think guys. They did, no. I think it was just all matches. And then the television audience would would be witness to you know the, the the Sean Mooney promos and Mean Gene and things like that. So the audience at home knows about this, but I feel like the audience, you know, yeah. in the crowd. Well, the audience the, also in these pay per views they got like extra matches and shit that would be on like the extras for the cassette tapes, correct? Right? For Coliseum Home Video, right? Which one of the matches on this card that was taped what we would before? Call dark matches. It was a, it was a dark match. It was taped before um, this pay per view. Shane Douglas defeated Playboy Buddy Rose. Right or no? Uh, yeah, Shane Douglas defeated Playboy That's Buddy funny. Rose on the, the before the SummerSlam card. Uh, the air. opposite of Playboy. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus! I know, right? Kick out Anvil making the save. Don't you think too that like the replace having uh, was that Smash in there or Axe? Axe, yeah, but now they're gonna do the switch again. Oh right, right, right. Because I was gonna say we kind of almost like take away from. Like it would take the heat away if they didn't win right away, but I guess replacing him with a with I guess a refreshed uh, demolition dude um, probably also kind of keeps that. 
Because you couldn't do the switcheroo with Crush. Speaking of which, here we got uh, the crowd getting all worked up. It looks like this is going to be the um, the Legion of Doom's arrival. Yep, there they are. Foundation wins this. Your new WWF Tag Team Champions over Demolition. Yeah, this is just the drama in this match between both teams, and um, then LOD's involvement, and the the, the three on two situation with Demolition. Uh, some some pretty good stuff here. Yep. And it wouldn't be like I said, it wouldn't be long. Demolition, you know, would would run six mans against LOD and Warrior. Um, but Axe's uh, injuries were piling up, and that's why they kind of went the route with, you know, getting Crush involved. But um, Demolition would reunite with Mr. Fuji um, in late 90, early 91. Fuji would manage them. And I was kind of hoping as a kid that they would keep the three-man format um with demolition and and, ha- and still have fuji as a part of the, right. uh, the the presentation or you know axe would be more of like an alternate but also a mouthpiece as well because he still had a pretty he still had some good uh microphone chops for himself here as we see the replay heart foundation picking up the win over demolition there you go those nice brand new shiny world wrestling federation tag team. they need to bring those belts yeah, back those are the belts this is an advertisement for the WrestleMania that's supposed to take place at the L.A. Coliseum that never came to be because yeah. apparently there was a war going on. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason, of course. Yeah. Goddamn, pal. WrestleMania 7 at the Los Angeles Memorial Olympic Coliseum. That building's still around, right? Yeah. They just don't they, need... That's I know where they, the Rams were playing up until... Yeah. The new stadium. The new stadium, which is supposed to open this year. Yeah. Um, USC plays their football games there. Um, yeah. I think that's where they have the USC-UCLA game every wasn't there, year. Wasn't there talk a couple of years ago? I think you sent me an article ESPN put it out that um, LA was bidding. Before the stadium, the new stadium was up, they were in the process of putting a bid for uh, WrestleMania at the Coliseum to kind of right that wrong from 91. Didn't you send me something? Something to that effect, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the stadium, the new stadium talk had been there, so I don't know if it necessarily would have been in the... You know, the, I think they were certainly hoping it could go there if there wasn't a stadium. Yeah, that would be the, that would be the spot. But. Here we go, LOD. Week 17, week after week after week, we come out here and said, we want demolition, and you ignored us, demolition. Well, now, we hope you're mad. We Gene. hope you're good, man. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
will take on anybody, anytime, anywhere. Where's the These bullets belong to the people. Right, Apple. Right, Hitman, baby. Against all odds. Two on two, three on three, ten on ten, whatever. Wait a minute. Now, now just exactly how does the Legion of Doom fit into the scheme of things? The Legion of Doom fits in any way they want. And you ask about the champagne? Listen, we ain't got no woes to drink away. Demolition does, Gene. All right, uh, gentlemen, I've got to tell you, a lot of action out of that ring. I couldn't make heads or tails of half the things that were happening. But one thing I know for a fact is that we have brand new tag team champions. Brett the Hip Bad Heart, Jim the Anthem I Heart. You've smelled the roses before. We're capturing the titles in the demolition at SummerSlam. Let's go off to the great end, Vince McMahon. Pretty good promo there. Shawnee. Sean Mooney. He's outside Demolition's locker room. They're obviously not thrilled. Um, you know what I noticed in that promo that I think would be kind of cool that they brought back? Was those two camera shot promos. Instead of just yes. one camera. They, You know how they like switch back? I would like to see them do a two camera shot uh, type of uh, promos. That. Be something a little different, you know what I yeah. mean? Kind of, you know, bring back, bring back that format a little bit. Yeah, get us off our heels a little bit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because I always wondered as a kid, like you know, the way that they would, you know, switch cameras and go back. I, now I look back on it, you know, I appreciate it a little more. Um, here we see uh, Gene Okerlund with uh, Scary Sherry. <laughs> she's uh, she's gloating over her her win. Psychosis. Psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i didn't even think of that that's great <laughs> all right well, well let's talk about sherry for a minute dennis you mentioned slick underrated bobby heenan greatest manager of all time where's sherry fit in uh, that uh did we see this on the, on the I, podcast or in private we, conversation we might have that we, that, that uh that that, that uh, once again i do the the bobby heenan analogy if bobby heenan is the greatest Man, uh, manager of all time, so Sachel Sherry would be the greatest female manager of all time. Valet? Yep. Yeah, you yeah. can make a strong case. I can't see anyone else who would really... She's one of the best of all time, male or female. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, fighting for number two, she's certainly up there. I, like, um, I mean, come on, look at the, look at all the people she's managed. She's yeah. on top of that, you know? My God. Man. Savage. DiBiase. Shawn Michaels. Michaels. You could stop right there. Yeah. But, I mean, as a woman, she's like the Bobby Heenan of women managers. Yes. Her, and then I don't even know who the rest of them are. For females? Yeah. Well, I mean, you I know who the rest of them are, but I, that's what I mean. She's... You can make a case, Elizabeth, because of her stuff with Savage. Me, I think that's a... Straight. Sunny? Sunny? For females. Yeah. If we're talking yeah, female yeah, yeah, make, yeah. yeah, I'll make the case that she's, these, these are all great managers, but I don't think they touch Sherry as a manager. No, they don't. Manager. I think everyone Sherry's first and everyone else is, is fighting for second place on the female. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Coming up later, Jake the Snake Roberts against Bad News Brown. The snake versus the, the Harlem rat, right? sewer rat with the big <laughs> boss man as the special guest referee. Part of that match. We also got a brother love show with Sergeant Slaughter on this SummerSlam card coming up, as well as Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Nikolai Volkov against the Orient Express. Um, that that's sure to be a barn burner, of course. Dusty Rose baby against the Macho King. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Um, and then the double main event. The matches we're here for: Hulk Hogan, 
Two belt, too many belts, Hogan. Is that what your 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 too nephew? Many, too many belts, Hogan. Too many belts, Hogan against Earthquake and the steel cage match between Ravishing Rick Rude and the Ultimate Warrior for the WWF Championship. <laughs> All a part of this upcoming second half of SummerSlam 1990. Mean Gene. The greatest stick man in all of professional wrestling history. Absolutely. No doubt about yeah. it. There's no one that comes close. No one touches him. I think Gene's on a planet all by himself. Ever see the... Ooh, look at that. Sewer rat. Yuck. That shit looks fake. Looks like a possum. It does. <laughs> it does look like a possum. Yeah. It does look like a possum. Jake. Is that Jake in the shower? Or just his snake. The snake. Ooh. Some of them like having their mouths open. Look very happy. Big boss man. I used to have that hat. Oh, that's pretty sick, actually. From Cobb County, Georgia. Yeah, this is probably prime boss man. Oh yeah, yeah. Boss man pulled double duty on this uh, on this uh, this SummerSlam card. He's the guest referee for this match with Bad News Brown and Jake the Snake, and then he will be the corner man for Hulk Hogan against. Earthquake, who will be accompanied by Jimmy Hart and uh, your favorite Dennis Dino Bravo. I thought, uh, I thought, what's his face? Tugboat was with Hogan. Tugboat was advertised for that, and they did an injury angle um, for uh, to having uh, Earthquake and Dino Bravo take out Tugboat, and Bossman made the save. So then it was like a last minute thing. It was so last minute that um, the, uh, the 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 programs and all the advertisements still had Tugboat on the. Look at Hacksaw working that tan, man. Holy shit. Yeah, with the blonde and the mullet. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably the best <laughs> Hacksaw's ever looked. You know, have a point there, yeah. God, like, oh, it's got to really fuck with your brain to get, cross your eyes up like that on purpose. And there's Nikolai Volkov. Didn't really uh, didn't really care for him as a good guy, as a kid. Um, didn't really have a, a dog in the fight when it came to Nikolai Volkov or Hacksaw Jim Duggan here. The only time I ever had an emotion for Nikolai was uh, the the Tibiasi angle. When, when he was so when he was when he him. came out of retirement because he needed money and yeah. DB, and then Dibiase like humiliated him with like the tuxedo T shirt. That, that was such a great angle. That, that totally was good. Emotion. That was good. Honestly, that was good. You know, you make a good point there. Yeah, that, that's probably here. We have the Canadian earthquake with Dino Bravo and Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart. I just listened to an episode of uh, a Pritchard show. They covered Earthquake recently. And did you listen to that one, Justin? The Earthquake one? No. Yeah, okay. Um, it wasn't bad. Um, they told some pretty fun stories. Here we see. Th- this was part of my... All right, so Dennis, we talked about this in a chat about seeing Hogan and Earthquake yeah. at the Civic Center in Hartford, okay? This was like the height of my fandom in terms of like Hulkamania, Okay. I was scared to death as a kid that Hulk Hogan was never coming back because of what Earthquake did. Even though at this time I probably realized wrestling was predetermined, I was still concerned that Hulk Hogan was never going to come back because of what Earthquake did. Um, And so that was a big reason why I wanted to order this pay-per-view, but unfortunately I wasn't allowed to. Um, But it it was talked about on the Pritchard show. It seemed like after Earthquake had this run with Hogan, he just kind of fell off. Into I wouldn't say into obscurity, but he just kind of fell off. This is how they got rid of Tugboat. This is how they uh, they 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 dumped him from the match. 
um, by attacking him, and I believe Boss Man would make the save or um, following that. But I feel like Earthquake was so hot as a bad guy because of what he did to Hogan that after this SummerSlam pay-per-view, it just kind of went downhill for him because if you think about it, so he captained a team with Dino Bravo at Survivor Series in Hartford against Hogan's team. Then... He's the runner-up in the Royal Rumble in 1991. Hogan eliminates him to win that. But then he wrestles Greg the Hammer Valentine in like a two-minute squash at WrestleMania 7. And I know that it was around this time they introduced Slaughter and our country was at war with the Gulf War. And so Slaughter was like the, the, the big heel. But I feel like Earthquake got the short end of the stick as a, as a top heel. Like I feel like they could have ran... You know, they ran. They could have ran more with him and Hogan, Warrior especially. I just, I don't know. I felt like Earthquake was a very underrated bad guy, and, and after the Hogan stuff, he just didn't get enough love. That's interesting. I never really thought of it, but that uh, I can't think. Of, may, uh, maybe I'm not just maybe I'm just not thinking straight, but uh, I can't think of one time. Yeah, yeah, he made invented like a pay per view for a championship or nothing like that. That that uh, and he was like a real threat. Like he like you said, people were scared of him. He was like, that uh, look at the snake choking the shit out of Jake here. Yeah. Put the head on that fucking thing. That thing Jeez is huge. Christ. it almost looks fake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like something you'd see in the movies. And Dennis, we talked about it in the text message, the that that house show that you know we we both went to in 1991. That was Hogan and Earthquake headlining in a stretcher match. That took place in March of 91, weeks before WrestleMania with Hogan and Slaughter. Think about that. Yeah. They went, uh, so they, they kind of went backwards, if you, if, you, if you think about it. Hogan and Earthquake wrestle on a pay-per-view, and then they go around the horn on the house show loop instead of going on the house show loop and then leaving that's the pay-per-view. That's the way it was. That's the way it was back then. That's, that's exactly how it was. Because once you saw it on TV, that's, that was the advertisement for it. Because house shows were such... A huge part of the the structure of how they made money back. But I then. thought they did the house shows first, then you did the TV, so that you guys can get used to each other in the ring. That that's not. I mean, that is true to a degree, but I know, like for instance, like I, the first time I had recalled that being a thing, I was watching the Roddy Piper DVD, and he talked about the dog collar match with Greg Hammer Valentine, and he was like talking about how great it was and how lauded it was and then he talked about how grueling it was and then he was like now we gotta go all across the country with this thing because that's that's how it was that you want to you want to sell those events that's a good point i didn't think of that back that, that that's just how that's just the, the 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 customer's journey if you will yeah um you saw the match on pay-per-view and then you just take it out on the all across the world um by putting it on the house show circuit. That's really how it worked back then. Now it's more what you're saying. For okay. the most part. Um, but it wasn't... It, but it was like that a little bit as far as I understood. Um, you want people to feel each other out. And then... Because um, like that's what happened I think with Hogan and Flair, right? They wrestled for a little they bit. Re- they wrestled on the house show circuit. And they... and. It didn't really go as well as they thought. The narrative is that, yeah, they didn't draw as well as they thought they would have, so that's what kind of um, uh, resulted in them canceling the WrestleMania match yeah. that everyone wanted to yeah, see. Yeah, you, you wanted to, back in these days in the 80s, too, before, like you wanted to you wanted to 
fill the you want you want to you'd want to fill the big stadium, the big arena for the big show, whatever yeah. it was, the clash, the slam, the mania, and then after the recep based on the reception the match got, you would that's how you would go around the horn with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's that is not so much how it's done now. I mean, now it's just a whole different ball game. But yeah. What do you think of Bad News Brown as a heel, Dennis? Underrated? It was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah? But then, uh, I, I, I was watching when, when he was still alive, uh, shoot videos uh, of, 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 of him, and there was a big plan for him like the, to, to like fight Hogan. and like, I've heard that, that too. That, that, uh, that, that, uh, but he, what he thinks uh, might have ruined it, apparently um, uh, on a bus ride, um, Andre the Giant used that. that used the N word. I've heard that story. And Bad and, News Brown stood and, up to yeah, him. Yeah, and Vince said, "Yeah, you can't, you can't be doing that to Andre." Yeah, I've heard that story, and that doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, it was a different time back then. It, it shouldn't have. I'm not saying that it was acceptable back then, but um, it's you know perfect example that you know racism has been a part of our culture for a very long time. But you know, I'm not going to go any further. Uh, and have a talk about racism, but bad news. Yeah, I've heard that story before as well. That bad news uh, had a run-in with Andre on a bus because Andre had uh, used a racial slur towards him. But uh, yeah, I just I if you if you go back and you watch now, or if you go back and, and watch this now, okay. Nowadays, as a heel, you and I, to a degree, and most fans appreciate the work of a good bad guy. Absolutely, you know what I mean. But now bad guys care more about being cool and selling merchandise than they do about being hated. There's very few in the business that that will go to great lengths now to really care about being hated. You could make an argument for a Randy Orton. You could make an argument for a Tommaso Ciampa at one point in NXT. Sammy Callahan in Impact Wrestling. MJF in AEW. But Bad News Brown did not go out of his way to he did his job very well you know to be liked by the fans so much so that his character even hated other heels like if you recall there are two instances in back-to-back years at survivor series pay-per-views 88 and 89 where bad news brown would be eliminated because he had issues with his teammates he couldn't get along with anybody whether it was you know, good guy or bad guy. And he walked out on his team two years in a row because of a miscommunication. I remember one year, like, Greg Valentine went to clothesline. Someone ducked. He got bad news. Bad news got pissed. They had a shoving match. Bad news walked out. The next year, the same thing happened with him and and Martell or Honky Tonk Man, one of the two, and then bad news walked out. Bad news Brown, to me, I feel like, like I said, very underrated bad guy. Didn't go out of his way to to be accepted by the audience. He did his job as a bad guy. And there's very few of those in today's wrestling. Like I said, I named a few. I was just talking yeah. about the, the underrated uh, aspect of uh, Bad News Brown as a bad guy. Um, yeah, I think he, yeah, I think you're you know just jumping back into this. You, I think you nailed it. Like most bad guys now, they there's some element of them that's trying to be cool, um, which just drives me up a wall. Um, I'm not supposed to like you, dude. Like, yeah. I'm not supposed to buy your t-shirts. Yeah. You know, it's it, you know, it's funny you talk about like, you know, like Chris Jericho, for instance. You know, he he's pontificated, you know, on podcasts and in other interviews about how that's still important. 
right? Yeah. Or, you know, how at least that was important to him in the WWE yep. even towards the end. But then he goes on to his, you know, programs now on Dynamite, and he's trying to be the funniest, coolest cat in the room. And people, people pop for it. He gets over it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, what, I mean, whatever. If it's like over, said, it's over. There's very it's... few in, in today's, like I said, I was telling Dennis, Randy Orton, Tommaso Ciampa, Sammy Callahan, MJF. Those guys, I feel like, are the are the few that um, that that really care about the art form of being a good bad guy. That you know that will go to great lengths. Oh, wait a minute! He was about to earthquake the snake. <laughs> oh my goodness! He was about to earthquake the snake, and Boss Man saved Damien. We're talking about uh, cool heels, whatever. But we all know what 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 changed it and what ruined like the art of the heels nwo yes yes nwo broke that mold yeah absolutely that's oh that, wait a minute and that's that's why an all-time list as much as i appreciate their place in history and their influence overall i don't consider them to be a great heel faction because they were too cool they but yeah you know what i mean they didn't stick to being bad guys you know what you the know? interesting about initially them? they were fucking great though when it was the three of them they're long darting people and they're beating the fuck out of oh, people when it was, yeah them three versus the whole company yeah and then eventually it just got too you know it was, got too cool but if you think about it though i think if you remove the it's a double-edged sword with the nwo if you removed hall and nash from that you lose that cool factor okay because people still hated hogan even when he was with hall and nash they still hated him Okay, yeah. Hall and Nash brought that cool factor that took away that heel element. Right. But if you eliminated them from that, then the NWO wouldn't be as big as it is. No, but they, like I said, in the early days when it was just you know the three of them, the four, yeah, DiBiase, you know, Waltman, you know, Big Show, whatever, the Giant, they were still they were still heels. Like, yeah, they weren't being cool; they were being heels, mm-hmm. and that's that's I think. But as time went on, yes. people. Be- people gravitated to them because of the cool stuff they were doing. Yeah. I also think too that plays a part in why Bischoff was introduced into the faction because Bischoff he what he was just an announcer. And so nobody really had a a, a stake in the game when it came to him. And so there was more of an opportunity to get people to hate him because he was just a TV announcer. You know what I mean? It so I feel like Bischoff's introduction helped make them more of a heel faction, even though, like you said, the cool factor with Hall and Nash, and as time went on, fans just thought it was, you know, cooler. being cool, and that's yeah. fine. And I, but again, like, it doesn't, to me, that shouldn't take away from their overall impact, and it doesn't. No, no. But, like, in terms of, like, what you guys were obviously talking about before, is, you know, being real, true, unlikable, nasty bad guys, like, they had it initially, I love I love how here like demolition just had a match they had no paint on in the match so they repaint their faces for the the, oh, yeah. the, the promo, <laughs> which is kind of funny. You know, I mean that's not what happened. This is clearly recorded to, earlier in the day. You think so? Oh yeah. Oh, it looks like they kind of. I mean, yeah. You, you, you go. You might. Be, yeah, they had to go. have. You you can make a case for they that. They probably yeah. were like cut your promos. Look like you. You know what I mean. Here's and the, like, here's oh, the shit, thing. We face painted on ourselves already. Where, where they screwed up. Look at look at Axe's match, right? Yep. They were the ones that were supposed to go like you know in and out of the ring. They should have had the same face paint. They should have. That would have gave them credibility. Oh, like when they did the when switch. they did yeah. the switch. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That make, yeah, no, that's a great point, Dennis. That's a great point. Future Repo Man. Yeah. Future Future Blacktop Bully. 
future hole in one Barry Darsow. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else was he? He was, yeah. You know. That's it, isn't it? Oh, you know what he else he was? He was a golfer, but he before this in Jim Crockett Promotions, he was Crusher Khrushchev. He was. Oh my god, that's right. He yeah. was. He was with Ivan Koloff Holy and Nikita Koloff, smokes. a part of the Russians. Yep. He was the, like the first like American sympathizer. Um, for the uh, the 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 foreign uh, heels That's back in funny. back in the eighties, looks like we're about to have the brother love show. There he is, there he is, good old Brucey Poo. Did uh, I wish? I bet you he wishes he was brother love right now instead of the current position he's in. As well, the, I bet he's getting paid though. Oh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm sure he's doing you just fine. Brother love in the city of brotherly love. Oh yeah. Even before I was a big fan of the Pritchard podcast, I always felt Brother Love and the talk show, the Brother Love talk show segment was a very underrated um, segment um, of those talk show formats. You had, obviously, Piper's Pit, which was, you know, head and shoulders above everything else, the the best of all time. But then you had um, the Funeral Parlor. um, And you had the Barbershop. Um, You know, this show here. A lot of cool shit at least from my my understanding took place on this you know on on the brother love show um hogan being attacked by earthquake like i mentioned before rick martell blinding jake the snake roberts with the yeah. arrogance um big boss man in, in, introducing himself to hulk hogan and handcuffing him to the the guardrail I, I heard that was such a controversial segment they had to reshoot it because of the way that Hogan was, or boss man was beating up Hogan, uh, handcuffing him to the guardrail, and like how did they? I think it was right around the time when like, was it right around the time in no L.A. When was the L.A. riots? Ninety two. Ninety two. Yeah. Okay, so that was before. I know with the Sublime, like was it April twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two? Really? Yeah, that has a song. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right. Brother Love, and he's introducing. Sergeant Slaughter here, and this is going to be the first. This is going to be his introduction to. Uh, I was about to ask, was this where he uh, did he already turn, or this is the, he's this turned? Yeah, he came back, and they did vignettes where okay. he, you know he turned his back on his country. Um, they hadn't introduced uh, Adnan, and they didn't kind of they didn't really um, Colonel Mustafa. Yeah, they didn't uh, add the the whole Iraqi sympathizer. Um, vibe to him yet but he was you know on his way to to turning that's interesting because i act being so young i didn't actually know that he turned bad guy and then became an iraqi sympathizer i always just assumed he became an iraqi sympathizer and turned at the same time good boy i thought the same i I, yeah so that's actually i never i just assumed he was like he he, the sympathizer part to iraq was why he became a bad guy yeah i I never knew that yeah i think i think they kind of it was one of those like one of those situations where they kind of fell into that scenario right, because right. of the current events. And the but, current you're, but, but what you're saying is that before he became an Iraqi sympathizer, he was already a bad guy. Yeah, he had. They, yeah, I never knew that. They had done vignettes where he was like, "My country turned their back on me, and everything I've done for my country, and this, that, and the other." Sure. And, and then it would be, um, you know, not long after this where they would introduce Adnan, and I think that. I don't know if that was originally part of the plan or if they just kind of fell into it because of the way that the world was working with with the with the Gulf War. Right. Um, now, if I remember correctly, 
He wasn't the original plan. No, he was not. It was supposed to be Tugboat. Yes. It's uh, Dennis, have you heard this? No. There, according to at least one of the episodes of Bruce Pritchard's... No, he was going to be chic Tugboat. He was going to be it's, like... Uh, he was going to be oh, the Iraqi sympathizer, not Sergeant Slaughter. Which I think is like fucking hilarious. Yeah. That that they probably that 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 was rolled out on in a maybe, meeting. Maybe maybe he did like a it's supposed to be audition. Sheik Tugboat and Hogan at WrestleMania Seven. Like, think about that. Maybe did an audition <laughs> and nailed it. But this is all right. So you, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. So that was that was what had Bruce had indicated on an old episode of Something to Wrestle. Slaughter has said in interviews. In years, years prior, that he got a call from Vince McMahon the day after WrestleMania six, telling him that Hulk Hogan wants, to, re- wrestle wants him. to wrestle him at WrestleMania and needs a bad guy. Now, I don't know how much of that I believe. That sounds like somebody's getting gassed up. Yeah, I feel like I feel like either Slaughter was fed that line to like. To, to encourage him to return, or Slaughter was just making that up to hype up his own return. But, to but be fair, but, like you're saying, he was already a bad guy before he was an Iraqi sympathizer, so maybe that would have been an undercard match at WrestleMania. Here's my point. Well, no, I mean, you obviously were still... But here's the thing, too. Hogan has also said that after that match with Warrior, he kind of knew... When he did the whole hand him the belt, raise his hand, pass the torch, do all that nonsense, and then he goes away on the ring cart and the camera shoots on him while Warrior is celebrating, Hogan claims in in interviews I've heard before that he knew at that point that the Warrior run was not going to last long because of the way. But that could be also Hogan too. Yeah, it's probably you know, you know hyping up you know his own you know. And it's hindsight. It's probably like oh that made sense you know. Yeah, like later afterwards. So there, there's a lot of different, you know, theories that you can call bullshit on, yes or no. But um, I think that's very accurate. Well, Hogan's account or Slaughter's? Or Slaughter? That, that uh, was he? As I think about it more. What, what, what was was Sergeant Slaughter Hulk Hogan level? No, but it's a lot closer what, than what people uh, uh, that, that can remember. He did a little thing called the GI Joe. Yeah. And yep. he That's was what caused him to leave the WWF he was years the star before that. Of the show, yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, 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 uh, he was also a big deal yeah. before the GI Joe yeah. thing when I he used to do that stuff in in you know in the late seventies, early eighties with but WWF. I mean, is, you know he, what I mean? He went from he went from being a wrestling star to being a star. Yeah, yeah. Main, I think mainstream knowing, TV. Yeah. St- I think yeah. knowing what I just learned about him being a heel before he turned to a sympathizer. It's not actually out of the realm of possibility to think that him and Hogan would have mixed it up as a double main event at WrestleMania 7 with assuming the Ultimate Warrior was going to well, still work out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before an Iraq war came in, you know, I could definitely... It, it does seem plausible as I piece it together in my own way that Hogan and a, Hogan and a heel, non-Iraqi sympathizing slaughter would be the, you know, you know the, the, the B match... On a WrestleMania, and Warrior level. still would have a run with the with belt. Who, yeah, with whoever. Right. But I think you know, Warrior didn't work out. The war happened. Slaughter, turned Slaughter. Who do you want to put in the war in the hero spot for America? Hulk Hogan. A lot of things. Oh, there she is. Sapphire together. making her way into the She's dressing room. Back. She's back. Jean's trying That's to get awesome. a word. 
But I think I've told you this, Dave, going back to Slaughter real quick to tie that up. Uh, f- Dennis, you should, you'd be cool to know this too. Friend of uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he was dating a girl about like probably like 10 years ago. They were in college. And his girlfriend at the time, her father was, he, he ran like a, like a, uh, like a body shop in like the southern part of Connecticut near Stanford. I think might have been in Stanford. And her body shop used to service a lot of the vehicles and, you know, little play toys that the WWF would use. Like Undertaker's hearse yeah. and shit so like that. So yeah. she at one point got to see or ride in or it was brought to her house, Sergeant Slaughter's uh, car. That uh, camouflage, like, oh, okay. wagon thing. Okay. Um, I remember she told me that because we were, like, playing, like, the Legends So that was all bullshit that Briscoe Brothers Body Shop used to do all the work? <laughs> they certainly weren't sending it to Florida, no. <laughs> so, yeah, a local local body shop that this, you know, her dad owned or her family owned, and they would work on a lot of the WWF vehicles that they would use for shows. So, like I said, she saw the, the camouflage station wagon, Blues Brother-looking thing that Slaughter used to drive. And we were playing Legends of WrestleMania. And I think I was, you know, she was over the house. She was like, oh my god, you, you watch wrestling? I was like, yeah. And then she explained it to me. I was like, that's the coolest fucking thing ever. And I like tried oh, to I like cool. tried to get her to like, you know, get a picture or something for me. But that didn't work. And then she ended up like not, you know, dating my friend anymore. So This just came to me as I'm watching this. Fun little fact. Did you know that one half of the Orient Express... Was the manager of Hakushi? No. It wasn't Pat Tanaka. It was the other guy here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah. Shinja with the white face yeah. paint. Yeah. He yeah. kept the beard and yeah, everything. I did know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That, yeah. I didn't realize that till just a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's like in the Japanese Hall of Fame, I think. Japanese Hall of Fame? Yeah, the, the wrestling... I'm sorry. The, the the Japanese Wrestling Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. What's his name? I have no idea. The, 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 I just, but I just remember... It's um, the, the, uh, uh, Tanaka and... Uh, um, is it Kato? Maybe. Or Kato and Tanaka? Yeah, I think it is Kato. Yeah, he was Kato, and then he became Shinja, who was Hakushi's manager in 1995. That I yeah that part I read. You ever heard Bruce Pritchard do an impression of him? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, he, he tells yeah. it. I'm gonna tell the JJ you make a fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he had a reputation for just kind of stooging off, uh, um, uh, some of the other boys in the locker room here. Well, here's uh, Hacksaw and uh, Nikolai. I assume uh, singing the national anthem. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. What's that statue of outside of the spectrum there? It's not the Rocky statue, obviously. It's a it's of a woman. I don't know who though. Yeah, yeah. who's what woman's famous for for being Philadelphia? I don't know. They just showed it, uh, Justin. I know you're, oh, I you're, you're it, looking on your phone, but then showed a shot of a statue um, outside of the old Philadelphia spectrum uh, of, of a woman. Was I don't it, I don't know who it was. Susan B. Anthony or something? Uh, maybe. Maybe that's a that's a that's a shot in the dark. Yeah, right? I don't know. Could be. Very well could be. It looked like she was trying to... If I, if I had to guess what a statue was doing, it looked like she was trying to preach something. To one sing or something yeah. like that. It looked like she was singing. Yeah, and who knows? Oh, and we are we are underway. Yeah, you won't even let go. Nikolai take the coat off there. And it blew my mind, too, that, that uh, when I got into... Uh, I think it was AWA. It was like 
late 90s when I officially got in, in, into AWA but I saw Tanaka and what, a bad company or something? With Paul Diamond. Yeah, it was such yeah. a great tag team. He was now j- super jobber to, to, uh, to like something that he was... Tanaka they were, was... They so, were fucking awesome. So they were they were bad company which they were managed by Diamond Dallas Page. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. And then when Cato was no, I don't know why Cato was removed from the Orient Express, but they kept the Orient Express team. They brought Paul Diamond in with a mask on, and Paul Diamond that, wore a mask as the other half of the Orient Express I, with Tanaka. He was Cato. Oh, he was Cato. Yeah. So who was the other guy? Akio Sato or something. So it's so is Tanaka and Akio. What were the names? So there was yeah Pat Tanaka and then a Kate and and the other guy. So Paul Diamond was Cato under the mask. Do you also know that Paul Diamond played Max Moon? Remember Max Moon? Right. Yeah. Because he was the Max Moon replacement. Because the original Max Moon was Conan from NWO Wolfpack. Yeah, of course, yeah. And he did that for two two nights, and he thought it was silly, and he walked out of the company. And then they put Paul Diamond in the mask, and um, yeah, that was uh, that 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 got over like a fart in church. Yeah. yeah so it was Tanaka and Akio Sato until. Like 1990, and then that's when Cato, Patson, or Paul, Paul or Diamond, Paul Diamond, the mask. Yeah, that's when he. Okay, came in. so he, so, so this was a, a, a Keo, a Keo, yeah, a Keo, a Keo. Yeah, he's the guy who was, what it sounds like. He's in. He looks like the guy who was with Hakushi. Yeah, so. Shinja. He played yeah. Shinja at one point. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, this is really nothing to write home about with this tag match here. It's one of those thrown together bouts, but Duggan. Yeah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, obviously a a lighter version of his original persona from his uh, his his Bill Watts uh, mid South days. He was a fucking legend there, and that's, yeah, yeah, he you was, know what I mean. So like, he was like their Bruiser Brody, if you he, think about like, it. He was a top guy. Yeah, like, it would be like how everyone gets upset that like you know you know let's just say. Uh, AJ Styles. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. You know, let's say AJ. You know AJ Styles was a top guy everywhere he went. Or okay, here's a better one. You know Shinsuke Nakamura. Yep. You know what I mean? He's a fucking joke now. Or it's Cesaro. Even better. Cesaro, yeah. top top guy all over the world. You know, accomplished wrestler. You know, everywhere he went, and then he goes to the WWE and he's a gimmick. He's a joke. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. pushed to his cartoon a, version. He doesn't of see his full. They don't realize his full potential. You yeah. know, that's yeah. like. Like imagine, like imagine if there was like a knowledgeable wrestling fan base that understood that people would be be calling for the head of Vince McMahon because Hacksaw Jim Duggan wasn't in the main event in the in the second week of his run there. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Do you think though that like because of the drug scandal when he got arrested with Sheik in the car that that they were kind of they had they had to derailed him. But I'm saying, like, do you think that like they kind of had to like. I wouldn't say PG it up, but like he had to be like a lighter version of what he originally once was. Because if you, I know that you might not remember this, but when he first debuted in the WWF in '87, did he debut at WrestleMania three? I believe he did. He kind of had like that mid south look to him, right, right. And he was a little bit more of like the roughhouser, yeah. And then like not long after that, he gets popped on the Jersey Turnpike with Sheik in the car for drugs, and then he's fired. And then he comes back like a year later, and he's more of a comedy act. Do you think that because of his arrest, 
that they kind of had to probably pivot a, that route. Probably had a it probably had a uh, a role to play in there uh, for sure. I would say that's probably true. But then you could also you could also go with the narrative that you know anything that Vince McMahon touches from another organization, right. he's got to put his own spin on it. So yeah. maybe right. maybe from the get go they had that plan all along. And then on top of that, you know, even a guy like Dusty Rhodes, for instance. Yeah, here we go. You know right what here. I mean? Yeah. How high was Dusty Rose going to get when the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan are working on top? Or Savage, you know what I mean? Those guys just... There was a there was a preconceived Ceiling. idea amongst the audience, too. You, yeah. were, you were who you were. You yeah. weren't, like... Now it's... You get debuted, and if you're not in the main event the following week, like, you're being misused, yeah, you know? Devalued, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're being buried. Yeah. Like, that's... That, no one... Those words were never thrown around back Do then. You th- here's, here's an interesting... Take. I want to get both of your guys' take on this, okay? Interesting theory. Dusty Rhodes, huge name in the South. NWA territory, Florida. He ran the gamut. He comes to WWF, they put him in the polka dots. You know, some have said that it was a rib. Whatever. I'm not going to get into that theory, okay? Do you think Dusty Rhodes could have been a tippy-top guy with the likes of Hogan and Warrior during this era? Probably not. You don't think so? No. I say yes, but it would have been tough. Like and, his uh, skill would have been there. He deserved it on on merit. But yeah. They could have done the like uh, reason why I like like mankind right when 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 he won against the Rock on Raw we all we, we all lost our minds because he felt like he was an everyday dude that said uh, you know make, make, uh, you know. Uh, uh, he was relatable to like you know the, the, wor- the working class, exactly. hard, you know middle class type person. They, they could have done that, but 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 it would, it would have been hard because like he he here you are building like you know Hogan bigger than life type t- ultimate uh, warrior. Yeah, yeah. yeah 1990, 1989 was a different the everyday time. man. The everyday man give, gimmick uh, that type of guy would could have couldn't work. Yeah, plus like the common aspect of him is great, and like I said, it, it worked in nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. Well, ten years earlier, like you said, the, the larger than lives, the superheroes, plus the WWF. It's. It's for everybody, you know, for the lack of a better word. It appeals to so many other people. You know, Dusty Rhodes came from the South, and that very defined audience, like a very, like, Southern particular demographic, that's where Dusty Rhodes and his style of wrestling came out of. And, and yeah, it's endearing to a lot of people, but it was for one it was for one audience as opposed to the WWF, which is a little more worldly and appealing across more than just one place or one group of people. Um, you know, again, Vince McMahon put his show on TBS when he bought out Georgia Championship Wrestling, and the southern base of people who watched WTBS hated it. Yeah. So I think, you know, on the other side, a Dusty Rhodes, I think, would have been cool and great, and his talents would have made it work. But, you know, I don't know if the, lar- the audience at large at the WWF had cultivated by this point would have completely accepted him because it was still everybody liked you or everybody hated you all right so let me ask you this you we've all heard the the story from hogan that he wished that he turned heel after warrior beat him right right you've heard that before dennis what's that i'm sorry that warrior that hogan wished he had turned heel after warrior beat him at wrestlemania 6 no, I never heard that. Okay, so Hogan has said that he wished that he that, that that Vince allowed him to turn heel, and I guess 
on a Bruce Pritchard podcast, he has even said that the idea was thrown out and Vince would immediately shut it down. Hogan's a babyface. Goddamn, pal. What if Vince allowed Hogan to turn heel following the loss to Ultimate Warrior? Do you think Dusty Rhodes would have then moved up the card, so to speak, as Probably. the number two babyface behind Warrior? And, and would he have been a big success, a, a bigger yeah. success than he is in this uh this era, I well, I think he would. I think you would probably get like. I think Dusty would have been the perfect guy for Hogan to face if Hogan was a heel in 1990, and it would have probably been a way to catapult Hogan to the top as a bad guy. Like yep. Dusty would have been the guy to make Hogan the heel. Okay, that would have probably been the and. So know, it wouldn't have been Warrior after after beating Hogan, or you think you, know, like, you got to get you got to get to Warrior? Like Hulk, there was always this escalation of you work with somebody to then work with Hogan, or yeah. you know what I mean? I think it would have been the same thing. You would have had to work with somebody to get to Warrior, and for Hogan's new established character to get properly established, you would you know Dusty Rhodes would have been a perfect guy to, to put that over. Yeah, it hit me like a sack of potatoes. It wouldn't have been Dusty. You know who would have been the second biggest baby face of the company? Who? Sergeant Slaughter. It would have been in reverse. You turned <laughs> your true. back in the country. I'm here. I'm Good here call. to put you in your. Good that's call, not Dennis. bad. That's. I mean. That's, oh wait a minute. What we got here? That fits the mold of WWF more than than a Hogan Dusty. DiBiase and one of the best follows on social media is Virgil. I meat sauce or whatever. <laughs> oh, he's hilarious. I love him. Did you see that figurine though of him? But like you know that famous meme where it's like him just like you know. At, that, that, that at the table. Again. At the table. They got they got the action figure now with uh, him at the table. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I have the Virgil action figure in my case, actually. But this is here. This is the part where DiBiase uh, announces that um, you know he has bought Sweet Thafi, baby. I'll tell you right now, though, that would definitely not age well in, in 2020. No, no. <laughs> I mean, 
the the negative connotations behind that buying an yeah. individual. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, classic stuff. Dennis, I want to bring up a point that you had mentioned. Um, you talked about uh, Slaughter being the number two baby face, and that's not that that's that's a good call. But what about Jake the Snake? I mean, fuck, Jake the Snake was one of those guys that was just like he was. He was so over. Like, you don't think he would have been behind Warrior in this era if Hogan had turned heel? Interesting question. That uh, you're I, doing a lot. There's a lot of shifting like, around. Like, like, like the spectrum of superheroes, right? There's actually three, and people don't. People are too blind to see it sometimes. There's evil. There's good, and there's neutral. Jake the Snake, I always think... He's he, right in the middle? Right in the middle. Okay. And, and then, uh, I didn't think of that. And, and, and I think his best, best work was when he was a heel. sure. So, would I make him the, 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 the second baby face? I don't know. That's probably like, wouldn't be. He's, he's such an interesting character. Well, actually, where... no, he probably would be. Excuse me. I mean, you need... Again, you need to feed Hulk Hogan at this point. Yeah. Got to you. Got to feed him some baby faces. He he probably mow through a lot of them to get to to back to warrior. Back to warrior. Yeah, for sure. Now, I actually would love that uh, scene. Jake the Snake with the with a big title. That uh, they, they, you guys know better than me. He never was IC champion or something like he that. He was right? never a champion in WWF. That, no. That's criminal. That, 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 uh, the only time he, I can he, remember he, him he fighting. He's one of those guys that didn't need it. But oh, still, yeah. But, but, but still, I would love. I would like to see him when we when he could have done with Tyler. Yeah, I mean, he. Uh, the only time I can recall him ever competing for a championship was, uh, um, he was in the WrestleMania Four tournament, mm-hmm. and he was in the middle of an angle with Rick Rude, and then he was also he was in the 1992 Royal Rumble when it was for the WWF Championship. Other than that, it's really only way, only times I can remember him uh, uh, going for the championship is Randy Savage picks up the victory here, Macho King. Uh, huh? That's a bit of a squash, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. but, I mean, the, it was a foregone conclusion when DiBiase came yeah, out. Dusty Rhodes, heartbroken, distracted. Yeah, Dusty wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't he was coming back. It. He was in no condition to perform. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't coming back from that. I mean, you know, and I'm sure that that was dust. That was them needing to protect Dusty. In that sense, with the finish was set. Look at that. Savage shoved Sherry. Get her back. Let's go, bitch. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was to protect Savage. I think it just made sense. To protect Dusty. Or protect Dusty. I don't even think it was to protect huh? him. I think it just it made sense. Well, yeah, no, it made sense. Yeah, it but made, I mean, you know, it made sense with the story. Like, you know, if he could lose to Savage, that wouldn't be a problem. It just made it just makes sense. You know, he's just dejected his not even a love interest. This person that was his so friend. close to him, his yeah. friend, you know, would just yeah. betrayed him, and you know, humiliation. You know, yeah, it just made sense. You know, and it gives Savage a win. And too, I never got you know? that. Why exactly did Dibiase buy Sapphire? Because he could. Because he could. Because he was. He was. He, he had all the money. Well, what was his end game though? That, 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 that's what I never got. Did, did he want him as, as a girlfriend or as a lover? Or I don't know. As a valet, so, someone to. to some... I mean, if you want to, you know, think maniacal or Machiavellian, like you know, he 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 does that to to get to Dusty Rhodes, yeah, to affect to, to Dusty Rhodes, you know, to to play mind games with him so that he can ultimately, you know, defeat Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, right? you know, if you want to take the. The trip down the 
the rabbit hole. That would be the idea behind it. Oh. I like how they have the limo, like, backed up all the way to Gorilla. Like, right by the curtain. Yeah. You know what I mean? A heartbroken, like you said, uh, dejected, dusty yeah, road. There's, like, these two schlubs over here, like, huh? <laughs> yeah. I know. Some of that, yeah. With some of the guys, like, the backstage scenes, it's kind of funny how they just stay, Like, oh, some, some people yeah. just stand there and watch someone get their fucking ass handed And it's, to like, them. and it's and it's probably <laughs> arena an, an arena employee who doesn't watch wrestling. Yeah. Who's just, like... Yeah, I saw, saw Dusty Rhodes get his the, ass kicked. One of the union him. guys that yeah. sets up the ring. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm the guy that's guarding this is, uh, entrance to the arena. Like, whatever. And this is the first half of the double main event here as we see the the mighty earthquake um, making his way to the ring. Front, fronted by Dino Bravo and uh, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. If I could move it backwards a little bit. What I used to love about uh, kayfabe that did, uh, I remember Harford Civic Center. I don't know what event what event it was. That, that, that I, it was like one of my, it wasn't my first show, but anyway, that that, that, uh, that uh, you you'll see like you know here comes you, you, you know us, us wrestling fans watching all the all the wrestlers get into the arena. Here is like you know Hacksaw Jim Duggan and whatever Tito Santana on a on a Civic. Here's like you know um, and that that, that uh, all these other wrestlers and their rental cars. Here comes Ted DiBiase on a house show in a limousine. Oh, he it, it was such a great touch. He lived the gimmick. I mean, they they it used to give so him good. they used to give him funny money. Like yeah. McMahon used to give him money, and if he was out in public eating dinner at like a nice restaurant at like a prime go steakhouse, nuts. go nuts, spend the money. You know what I mean? Like they used to, they had him live that gimmick. Yeah, you know, like it was it was crazy back then what they would do. You yeah. know, in his Hall of Fame speech, he had he he has it explained to him like you're gonna be this. Arrogant rich guy who's just gonna spend money. They didn't on even tell him that want. at first, if you remember. Well, he he basically they're like, but we're gonna like we're gonna we're gonna parade you around the country in limousines. You're gonna stay in the finest hotels. You're gonna fly first class. And then Dibiase's like remark was like, it's a tough it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. Like <laughs> you know, after living a life of you know stuffing into cars, without, you know, and, and sharing motels rooms and stuff like that, and sleeping on floors. Like, all right, you know, if this is the job, you know, I can do this. It's, it was kind of funny. Yeah, that is. Uh, it, it's interesting too because the story I've also heard as well is that DiBiase, um, they didn't originally they didn't tell him what the gimmick was going to be. They wanted him to sign the contract because they were afraid that if they told him what he was going to do, he, take he, it somewhere he was going to take it somewhere else. Yeah. So, have you ever heard the story about um, about? Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, Vince on the airplane with the guy with the cigarettes. So Pritchard told this story once that he was flying with Vince in first class. And this is when you were allowed to smoke on airplanes. And Vince hates smoke. And apparently um, McMahon's offered the guy, he's like, all right, pal, I'll give you 50 bucks if you put that cigarette out. I can't stand the smoke. And the guy was like, no, I don't think so. You know, I paid for this seat. I can smoke in here. I'm going to smoke. It's like 100 bucks. Give you 100 bucks. No, sorry. So they go around the horn and they keep back and forth and Vince says to him alright goddamn pal I'll give you $500 if you put that cigarette out right now and the guy was like done and he looks at Bruce and he goes and I guess apparently Bruce used to literally hold his money and he gave him $500 cash and Bruce looked at him and said goddamn Vince 
you're the million dollar man. And that's oh, how... Oh, yeah. That, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've heard that story? Yeah. Well, at least that part that of part it. Part of so it, So I yeah. think that's where it came that's from. That's where it came yeah, from. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's Wild, funny. huh? That is funny. Yeah. Dude, he just got his fucking ticket paid for. Yeah, I know. He pretty much paid for... Back then, I'm sure, like, a, the, the first class ticket was... Like, probably was... But, but if you're a first class, especially in that era, like, the 90s and 80s, you're already rich. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That guy yeah. was probably like... What? And now I got toilet paper money. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is my this is my meal when I get off the plane. <laughs> Speaking of toilet paper money, here see all these Hogan signs and the the the, the, the t shirts and oh yeah. yeah, they're cheering for Boss Man. Yeah, Boss Man don't come out with Hogan. Hogan gets his own entrance. Dino Bravo didn't get his own entrance. I know. <laughs> so that yeah, that says something about what they think of Dino Bravo. Did Dino Bravo that... have, have a theme song? Yeah, yeah the the, the, French Cana- Canadian, like the French Canadian national yeah. anthem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that damn Vince McMahon ruined Dino Bravo's life. <laughs> According to Dark Side of the Ring, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Made him want to. Made him want to go into a life of crime. Yeah, he, yeah, he made. Yeah, he made him join the the, the Montreal mob. mob. Yeah, Montreal mafia. <laughs> yeah. Never forgive him for that. <laughs> because of Vince McMahon, Dino Bravo was bombing cigarettes and pushing. Pushing Marlboro lights <laughs> all over northeastern Canada. Yeah. Where <laughs> there were Paul Malls, right? Wasn't that then? Paul Mall, whatever Maybe, they yeah, were. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he was he was smuggling cigarettes and yeah. the he was making so much money that apparently the uh, somebody's really gotta stop this Vince McMahon guy. I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, when's it ever gonna end? Yeah. Brother. Yeah, yeah this is this so that for me this was a this was huge. This match here was huge because I was so happy to see Hulk Hogan back and you want to know what I, I I didn't know this until just recently listening to the earthquake episode of of something to wrestle. But when Hogan was injured, when they did this angle, it was not long after he lost the title to WrestleMania to Warrior at WrestleMania, so he could film Suburban Commando. Hmm. Okay, they did a campaign like a Get Well Wish campaign where you could write letters to Hulk Hogan. Right. Okay, and Tugboat would read them on the air on Wrestling Challenge every week. So I wrote a letter. I wanted Tugboat to read my letter. And he obviously didn't read my letter. And they sent you a catalog and a Hulk Hogan friendship bracelet. (laughs) Okay? I don't remember getting the catalog, but I remember getting the friendship bracelet. And I remember this thing was cheap as shit. You thought Hogan was your friend. Yeah. Come on. Oh, I know, right? (laughs) How how dare I? Was that actually free? It was a free. Yeah. But But the idea behind that was back then... The cat, the merchandise catalog industry was a huge thing between yeah. like the retailers like J.C. Penney, Sears, Service Merchandise, yes. all the big brands. I've heard that name in years. Vince, uh, service Merchandise, yeah. right? It's huge. I think now Whole Foods in West Hartford was what Service Merchandise was. Anyhow, long story short, that was the idea behind the Hulk Hogan Get Well Wish campaign. You you wrote a letter, they sent you a catalog of merchandise in the mail, so you could buy more Hulk Hogan shit, yep. Ultimate Warrior stuff. So. That was right around the same time when, like I said, Hasbro got the WWF license to do all the figures. They had the wrestling buddies. They had the deal with Toys R Us. So all of that shit combined, like it was like wrestling overload between the content as well as the merchandise and everything else. Like that's what I remember most about my youth as a fan was during this era that like I got a catalog and I looked and I was like, oh man, I can get... Hulk Hogan t-shirt and Ultimate Warrior wristbands and they had all kinds of... Di- the, the the Bret Hart sunglasses, the silver sunglasses. He wore silver before he wore the pink. You could buy those in the catalog. I think I, 
I think if I remember correctly, I didn't get anything Hulk Hogan related. I don't, I don't know why, but I got the big boss man trucker hat that he just he just had on his head that he threw off. Um, but yeah, that that was the main purpose behind the Hulk Hulk Hogan Get Well campaign was you write a letter, and that, and also too the house show runs were were main evented by Earthquake and Dino Bravo against Tugboat and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And I remember I saw that main event at the Hartford Civic Center um, in May of the May or June of 1990. And then, like we talked about earlier, Justin, they went around the horn on the house show loop with Hogan and Earthquake in a stretcher match. And that's when Dennis, you and I saw that match um, in 1991, in March of 91, right before WrestleMania, which was huge. Yeah. That makes sense. So was was this when they were still doing two crews? Because Warrior was was he headlining another? I'm sure loop, that yeah. Or was it all was or was he really stuffed underneath uh, a a tag team main event? Um, I think they were doing. I think they were still doing two crews, okay. if I'm not mistaken. I still th- yeah, and I think because when Hogan came back, so when Hogan was gone, from what I remember, the two crews were Warrior on top on one show as the champion and then the other show is headlined with dusty and savage okay that makes sense that and the mixed that. tag was the main event on those loops gotcha. after wrestlemania so when hogan came back it was because warrior wasn't drawing as well i don't know what the numbers were for the dusty randy savage but i've heard stories that they were actually outdrawing warrior on some towns i could see that but I don't know what the undercard was for those shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes the undercard draws and not necessarily the main event. I do remember on the 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 particular show I went to that was main evented with Tugboat and Duggan against Earthquake and Bravo, they had Heart Foundation Demolition. And that was when they were doing the three on two, the switcheroo that we saw earlier in the two out of three falls match. Yeah. I do remember that. Well, a lot of those matches, I mean, Bret Hart has said and Sean has said, like a lot of those, a lot of those types of wrestlers, those were the main events of those shows. Yes, you know the 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 Hogans and the Warriors and you know the Andres, they were they were going on before intermission. Yep, and they needed they needed a a, a match to tear the house down, in you know in those days to 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 keep a crowd. You know, you know when they started. You know when they started doing that was in '87. Heart Foundation and Bulldogs used to main event. Yeah. When they used to run two towns, they would they would they would run towns that were probably Close. a couple hundred miles apart from each other, and they would have Hogan work both yes, shows. That's right. So Hogan would work the intermission in the earlier show. He would work the first part. Yeah. He would work the intermission. He would work before the intermission. Then. They would do a finish, like when he worked with Orndorff, where they would do some kind of screw job finish. And then at intermission, because of the screw job finish, they would announce ticket sales for the next time they come into town for the rematch. And then Hogan and Orndorff would be on their way to the next town to go work the main event yeah. of the second show. Yeah, where they already sold the tickets. Where they, yeah, where they, the exactly. Job, yeah. That that's when they used to that's when they used to really work that formula. Plus, I mean, you want to get the most out of Hulk Hogan, and if you're if you're a guy that's you know, if Hogan only worked one house show and you weren't on that house show, I mean, you clearly made less money on oh, a show for, that wasn't headlined. By oh, Hulk for Hogan. sure. So, you know, you kind of wanted to spread the wealth a little bit. Yeah. So it was smart in that sense, too. They yeah, that was to, a big part yeah. of it. This I never understood. Oh, referee referee not calling for a DQ. 
Yeah. This you match was not a no let, score. As Dennis would say, let the boys play. All right? Yeah. Let the boys play. Absolutely. Yeah, you're down with it? But now the referee's distracted so Dino could get a few shots in on Hulk. Yeah. Son of a bitch. These referees were stupid. You were right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, they get stupider by, by the day, too. Oh, I yeah. know. For Christ's like, sake. They were like bus boys that didn't, weren't, weren't good enough to be serviced. <laughs> That's what they were. And I mean, they're dressed for it, too. Oh, man. Someone said, I think some of the current wrestlers, I mean, the, the current referees are incredible what they do. But even like the, the really, really good ones, they still don't, they can't do a tag team match. And there's no referee. No referee is perfect at a tag team match. Uh, that, uh, Look at this. Jesus. Oh my God. Come I've on, never man. seen this before in my entire career. Yeah. Earthquake off the top rope. Oh my uh, goodness. That man has a family earthquake. <laughs> Jesus. You know it's serious when Jimmy Hart doesn't have his sunglasses on or on yeah. ringside, barking orders and directing traffic with the megaphone. Oh, for sure. Look, Jesus. One thing I can't get over about Earthquake is, when you look at him, what do you say, 38, 39, maybe even like his early age? 40s? Yeah. He, the motherfucker's 27 right now. <laughs> I know, right? That's crazy. That's a pretty shot-out 27-year-old. <laughs> do you know but how... That he always looked like that. Yeah. For like the next 15 years. I mean, Christ, Hogan, Hogan's 67, okay? This is 30 years ago. He was 37? 37 years old here. Jesus. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Wow. And then uh, through all that, the guy who doesn't age a bit, Jimmy Hart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's he been still drinking, looks the same. He's been drinking from the fountain of youth. Yeah. He probably drinks Botox, much less puts it in his face. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, good for you, Jimmy Hart. Oh, man. The mouth of the South. Yeah. Jimmy Hart. Look at Earl Hebner. Get your shit under control. Yeah, he... Yeah. Or Dave, or whoever the fuck you are. I don't know. Is that it's, Earl? It's, I, it probably is Earl. Yeah, I think it is Earl. Yeah. Because I I only think Dave was just a referee for the one spot with Andre. I don't think he was ever a referee, like, long term. I guess, yeah. I, I think he, I, I could be wrong. I, yeah, I have no idea how that... You know that Earl Hebner used to work Jim Crockett? Yeah. He was like, I think he was like a protege to Tommy Young. Really? I think so. Okay. Tommy yeah. Young, another, a very underrated referee. Yeah. But some people think, I, 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 I've, I, 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 over the years I've seen him, seen him work, but I, not, not enough to really critique him. People think Tommy Young, best referee of all time. He's, he's, he's been up there and discussed. Have you ever seen the video of when Tommy Young had to pull Nikita Koloff's penis back into his tights? I've heard that story before. Yeah. yeah, I've seen the video. It's on YouTube if you find it. Ric Flair is giving Nikita Cole off a vertical suplex, and he's got Nikita's tights hooked, and Nikita's dick pops out of the tights. Ooh. Flair lands the suplex, and Flair, as he's about to go for the cover, Tommy Young sees it, tucks his dick back into his tights, and then makes the cover. Why couldn't Nikita? Was he really that? That was it. Kayfabe that strong? He had I to guess. sell the suplex. <laughs> I guess so. He had to sell the suplex so he couldn't tuck his own dick back in. <laughs> I guess so, man. I guess the kayfabe. This is was... the finish. I can't. I can't. I can't break character now. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, referee. He literally like hopped over him, popped it back in, then made the count. I was yeah. like. Holy shit. Jesus. Yeah. If you ever have any desire to see it, it's on YouTube. Or... Well, it's, it's censored then. It might be, yeah. yeah but that, it but might be. They can't show, they can't show uh, nudity. Yeah, they can do whatever they want, Dennis. It's the internet. That's true. There's no rules. And the bear hug, the classic bear hug spot. Yeah, that's some pretty shit. Yeah, that's Hogan, par for the course. Yeah. That's for sure. So, 
hopefully he gets out of this because it'd be just tragic if Hogan ever lost a match. <laughs> Earl's like, come on, man. Come on, come on, buddy. And uh, Jimmy Hart kind of tooting his horn over there. Now, when Earthquake first came out, was he like, wasn't he like Canadian Earthquake? He or was. Some shit like that. He was the Canadian right? Earthquake. Do you yeah. know how he debuted? So he was, so Ultimate Warrior was in a small rivalry with Dino Bravo. And they were doing a push up contest. And that's probably more entertaining than their actual matches. And. <laughs> yeah, good point. They wanted to see how many push-ups each guy can do with someone sitting on their back. So Earthquake in plain like street clothes. Oh my gosh, is that's sitting, right. Is yeah. sitting in the audience and Okerlin calls him. Yeah, he lit and but he looked like a regular guy that you know had wife and kids, wrestling fan, and he was sitting in the audience. They call him out. He comes out. He sits on Bravo's back, and I, or, or, I think he sits on Bravo's back. But not, the finish is, is that like he sits on Warrior's back, and I think he like then attacks him, and it was a setup the whole time. And that's how they introduced yeah, him as the Canadian right. Earthquake, and then they just dropped that. that. Was he in the? Did they feature him in that Giants DVD about all? They must have. I feel like I saw that. He might that have nugget in there where they talk about. I mean, they talk about all the different Giants in wrestling. It's actually a good little thing. You know, maybe like five, six minutes on each wrestler. I think they talked about him on that one. Good old Earthquake. Quakey. I think everyone, that, that whoever, if there's anyone in the Kicking Out of Two listening audience that hasn't played WrestleFest, the video game, always use Earthquake. Up there, that, the WrestleFest uh, decal oh, from that? the original arcade. That's oh, sick, man. Yeah. Nikki got me that for our anniversary. Ooh. But, Didn't, but by far, though, the best character was Earthquake. Because of that, not only was the... Look at that teabag job right there. Damage, it also did an instant pin. Really? Far, it was by far the See, best I don't character. remember that. The first game I remember us playing growing up was Super WrestleMania. That oh, was Nintendo? Was that Nintendo, Dave? Super WrestleMania? It might have, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was... I, the game was older, so like I was young enough to remember playing it, but it was still dated. Like there was other games yeah. that had come out, so I would always use Shawn Michaels, and Shawn Michaels had the sideways suplex. Yeah, that was his original finish yeah. first before he did the before super he kick. was the yeah before he did the sweet chin music or yeah. any of that he did this like he did you, he just suplexed him on on their side. Uh, so I remember doing that one a lot. Uh, I remember playing with Ultimate Warrior in that game too. So there was like seven guys you could play with in the game, and oddly enough, Shawn Michaels was one of them. Rocker Shawn Michaels. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even like bad guy Shawn Michaels at that point. So that was like, yeah, probably like mid 90s. And the game was probably like around this time. But yeah, I never, I, mean, I remember never using Hulk Hogan. Not because I didn't like him, but. He slammed the big guy. I don't believe it. There we, we go. go. Big, big leg. Oh, come on, ref. I think this is the finish here. Jimmy gets involved. Earl's had enough because. Boss man ripped his shirt. And this is the only appearance of Jimmy Hart on this show. Mind you, he's managed a bunch of guys, and he's only in this match here. Nice little setup there with the slam. I think they're going to call for the bell at this point. I think we're, I think we're pretty yeah, much... Yeah, he doesn't have control of this match. Yeah, look at his shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's control. really funny. And look at the table just strategically placed out there. Right there with the with the blue uh, curtain yeah. over the table or the tablecloth. Oh, I remember when I met me and Daryl met the Hart Foundation in New York about like 
12, 13 years ago. He let me hold. The, he let me hold the megaphone. <laughs> I was pretty excited about that. Look at that! Ah, oh, the table didn't break. <laughs> yeah, like he got shot too. The soft, the softest I table went from spot. The, uh, DQ. I'm not yeah. DQ. Count right? out. Count out. Win. He's so excited, like like a little girl, like just like jumping up and down. This is the guy who defeated Andre the Giant in front of a worldwide record attendance, and he slams his fat ass in a countout victory, and it's <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. Well, he didn't have the belt of. God, I love you, Hulk. Look at, oh, this is, boom, instant blood from the back. Look at the, the marks on Earthquake's back. Ooh. You'll see oh instantly. Oh, wow. He's still holding him up. That's a tough dude. Yeah. Now, if you remember, Den- Den- I don't dude. know if you'll remember this, Dennis, but Hogan did that same spot on Earthquake with the chair at that house show, the stretcher match, in March of 91. And I remember from my seats, my grandfather was like, look, David, he's bleeding. And the same two marks on his back were from those chairs. It was really yeah, it was wild. That's one tough son of a bitch. Oh yeah, for sure. I can't believe he's still. Oh, ah. That's like instantaneously. Don't touch it. Yeah, they they they're good. They know. I was like, why would? They didn't know about AIDS. Like they, no, still, you know, oh, they knew, they knew, but you know, they no, didn't. It like hard. it wasn't real because Magic Johnson hadn't no, got it yet. Jimmy Hart was scratching it. Yeah, so he didn't. Think <laughs> So good manager. <laughs> was this before or after Magic? Uh, before this Magic before? was in the nineties, early nineties, ninety one, ninety two, maybe. So yeah, no okay. one thought. No, you know, the stereotype back then was if you were weren't a certain cross section of, of society that you were pretty much not going to get the disease. But obviously, that's a good. That. Yeah, God, we know yeah. that's not true. Yeah, like you could get AIDS, like even if you weren't a certain type of person, quote unquote. Um, so, but. That's a good thing for Magic Johnson. I can't believe we're talking about that now. <laughs> Magic yeah. Johnson kind of made it a, a disease that, you know, people understood that they could get. So, good for him. Yeah. I guess... It, 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 Way to go, Magic. Yeah. Speaking of Magic, Hulk Hogan, who got sat on... Yeah, he like, was teabagged mm-hmm. big yeah. time there. <laughs> Twice. Twi- oh, yeah. yeah. And he's and he's, and he's he's fucking fresh as a daisy. Yeah. Oh, Bossman wants to... Uh... I just, I just ran your plates, Hulk, and was worn out for your arrest. <laughs> He's a corrections officer, not a cop. Remember that. There's, two, there's a big difference. <laughs> Even the, it took me a while, a long time, years, to, to, to realize that. Everyone thought the big boss man was a cop. <laughs> yeah. Notice how he didn't come out with a gun? Yeah, that's true. Do they carry nightsticks in correctional facilities? They do. That's that. I mean, they I do. guess they would. Yeah, they right. Is, the, is that it? What's that? You're with the most dangerous people on the planet, and all you got is a nightstick? They got us. They're trained in like for like riot situations oh, yeah. too. They're trained for that. Yeah. But um, I'm still waiting to hear back if I got up, if I got if I'm getting called yeah. for my uh, my in my uh, he'll then he'll be the big boss. Then I'll yeah I'll be carry a big stick and a ball and chain too. God bless you. you Work in patrol. You can give me three hundred thousand a year to do that job. I'd be like fuck you. No <laughs> way. Dennis, I could hate myself and and lose and lose a little bit of dignity for three hundred thousand dollars a year. No, I'm just saying. You want me to sit in a shithole with a bunch of prisoners and low lowlifes? Yeah, I'll do it. Oh, is that is that even about about, about like uh, about the work? I'd just be like 
So look, look at me. Somebody will take advantage of me. And, 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 and yeah, but and, 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 <laughs> you, Dennis, Dennis, you have you have the keys sexually. Yeah, I'm not yeah. even talking about sexually. They, 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 I'm just saying they will just grab me and be like, "All right, you got to hand over. Oh my god, you got to hand over you the have... keys, or I'm going. <laughs> That's true. Okay, yeah. Playing poker with Jesus. Oh this my is... god. <laughs> How did we get to this? Uh, oh, I know why. Because the boss man's yeah. in the ring. I would say. God bless you, Dave. Uh, if that's the career you want, I I, I, uh, I, I hope uh, you get it. I'm striving I'm towards say, it. Dennis J. Levy, I think I'd rather be a, uh, a you, you know, I'd rather feed sharks their food than, than, than be a correctional facility officer. No way. But do the people that feed sharks their food, are they underwater with the sharks? I mean, even that. Yeah, you can even say, Dennis, you're going to be in shark tanks and you're going to feed great red sharks their meals. Yada yada yada, or a correctional <laughs> facility officer. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll feed the sharks. Thank you. Wow. Okay. All right. The biggest shark in all of the land yeah. is posing here. Hogan must pose, of course. Yeah. I'm actually surprised this didn't main event. I this was the first time to my, the best of my recollection that Hulk Hogan did not main event. A it was still a double main. Event. It was advertised a double. So main let me event. ask yeah. you this. Okay. If, if anyone can quickly draw uh, an instance of it, because I also hearken back to WrestleMania 8, double main event. Was there ever a time when Hogan wrestled on a card that, quote, wasn't a main event? That wasn't advertised, like, yeah. as the main event? Yeah. Well, and now, do you mean, he... now, now, your term of main event, last match on the card? No, or... the, no, the, in, in the instance that we're talking about. Oh, in the here. instance that you're advertising. Like, 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 clearly they put Hogan on this match as a double main event yeah. because he's Hulk Hogan. Or you know what I mean? Comes to mind, yeah? WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. But they announced that as a double main event, too. Did they? I believe so. I believe when they put Hogan yeah. in that match with Beefcake, they announced that as a double main event. Did they? Yeah. Well, that would be the quick answer if, if, it, if they didn't do so. Otherwise, I'd be curious to know, is, was Hogan technically always in the main event? As to to the defi- to, to the to the played with definition that they use here, that's an interesting because question. obviously my, to most people's you know classification, the main event is the last match. But he's he seems to be paraded around as the main event, and just because of who he is. All right, here's one instance: the, in fo- the following year's SummerSlam in 1991, you had the match made in heaven and the match made in hell. The wedding with Randy Savage and Elizabeth was the match made in heaven. The match made in hell was. Hogan and Warrior against the Triangle of Terror. Sid, uh, uh, Slaughter, Mustafa, and Adnan with Sid as the guest referee. Right. To the best of my knowledge, I don't ever remember them advertising that as the main event. Their promotional tagline was SummerSlam 1991, the match made in heaven and the match made in hell. Well, I mean, it, just it was the last match and it was given the billing of a main I, event. So I guess you could say, yeah. Hogan like a, a like, mid card. Right, was Hulk like he probably didn't get that until his second WWF run, or like excuse me, his third, the you know the two thousand two run where he was just wrestling in a match, and it wasn't like the main event. Think about it. That's a great question. Like he was two thousand and six. He wrestled Randy Orton at SummerSlam on the his third last... match. Yep, the third match on that. And it card. wasn't billed as a main event. Right? No, it wasn't. it wasn't. Like it may have been. Like it was billed as like a featured attraction. Yeah. But it wasn't like a, yeah. a main event. Yeah. The main event was DX and the McMahons or Edge and John Cena. Yeah, that's right. Or that's even, probably the best instance of it. Yeah, that's otherwise probably, he's he, he, all of his matches have been billed as main event ma- main event marquee matches. 
He's never just been on a card. Would you consider the match with Vince at WrestleMania uh, nineteen? It's on, the, it's on the poster. It's on the freaking poster. That, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean, huh? How about him and Kidman? That angle. That was WCW. There was a lot of there was a lot of sh- uh, yeah I'd have to title, I'd have to dig through title, I'd have to dig they never had they never fought for the title yeah, but like I, there was a lot of stuff to to pick through yeah I'd have to, in that I'd have era. to sift through that shit show to figure out what but I mean given given what his treatment was there he was always billed as being a big deal so it'd be hard to to argue that I remember an instance where he tagged with Bret Hart against Randy Savage and Roddy Piper at a Great American Bash and it was like the third or fourth to last match on the card. I don't know if it was billed as a main event. It was a featured attraction, yeah. but I don't know if they called it like the main event. You know yeah. what I mean? More power to him, though. I mean, if you think about it, in that sense, he's been but, like that. He's never been on the undercard, like yeah. in like a oh, also featuring Hulk Hogan versus yeah. like it's always like this and this and Hulk Hogan and this. Yeah, because even nowadays, you know what I mean? That, that, uh, yeah, even like the scene. WrestleMania like, Four. He was on the poster of that. With Andre, that was the that was the ticket big ticket match was Andre, him and Andre in the first round. That's true. I mean, five, six, seven, same thing. Eight. Yeah, this dude, like this dude has always been on the marquee, always. When he was uh, red and yellow, Hogan, you're absolutely right, man. He was never in the mid. He was never. Yeah, Yeah, he was never never never, another card. He was never underneath anything but the main, like the marquee. Yeah, Good for him, Vin, man. We gotta think of Vince Russo WCW booking, or or when he's over the hill. Like yeah, that, uh, over the hill, like two mid two thousands WWF. Yeah. yeah, but even but even over the hill Hogan in mid two thousands, like the match with Shawn Michaels, yeah, was st- I mean people that headlined that headlined SummerSlam. That was a huge that, that got treat that got the, that got the treatment it deserved. Yeah, I mean that match was. I, I'm, so, I'm still. I, I know I'm digressing a little bit. No, no, no. no, no that's an interesting... I still, I'd have to dig into no, no, that obviously a little bit. No, I, I still grudge Shawn Michaels for that match. Fuck you, Sean. That, <laughs> that was an incredible match. And, it was and, a great match. No, uh, he was a dickhead. His overselling was... Uh, it ruined uh, it. It absolutely ruined it for me. You know, maybe if Hulk Hogan wasn't a dick. You know? Yeah, if... if to be fair, Hulk Hogan was... I mean, at least to the account of Shawn Michaels at the very least. That's you not know? gonna work for me, brother. Like, if you're a dick, like, that's my experience with you, then you're a dick. But yeah. I mean... All things considered, it sounds like they have a better relationship. I have seen them interact, and they so. seem to be on good terms. Yeah. But if you're a dick, you're a dick. That's but, my experience with you. You're a like, dick. like it's like the old like, saying: be, "Don't be, meet your heroes." But be a professional, like Bret Hart. Oh, well, you're telling the wrong guy. To <laughs> <do>. <laughs> Shawn Michaels. Yeah. But I'm just saying, though, take Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, whatever. Shawn Michaels, he said the same fucking thing. I'm not gonna put you over, blah blah. Yeah. Blah, no. Yeah. Shawn Michaels is not a Shawn Michaels is not the model for professional employee. Who is he? Yeah, he's not employee of the month. Yeah, but but I mean, at least from a creative standpoint, like Hulk Hogan was really pulling a lot. Of strings that that rub Sean Mike. Those are two egos going at it. Yeah, you know that's what happens. But I think that was Sean's point. And like I said, not that Hogan was Sean's hero, but like that goes to the saying, you know, don't meet your heroes; they'll disappoint you. And that's kind of I think. I think that from what I gather, the discrepancy between Hogan and Sean is the fact that Hogan wanted the classic '80s build of Sean being the heel and him being the babyface, where Sean envisioned the rivalry as. You know, it's like fantasy warfare. Like match. I gotta, f- I gotta know if I can beat you. But like as a, baby I kind face, of agree with that, and I liked that yeah. better than going the heel route. Even yeah. though it was cool, even though Sean fucking dusted off. Oh, he, like, he fucking tore him up. Yeah, and I think that was Sean's problem. Like, dude, if I do, like, if I, if I, if, you, if that's what you want for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip this motherfucker yeah. up. Yeah, and yeah, 
people and aren't he gonna... did. Like Hulk Hogan didn't come out looking like a fucking hero after no. that. Like, and was... I think that's what also caused them to not have the rematch because there was talk of the rematch at, WrestleMania. at the WrestleMania in Chicago that two thousand six. Yeah. But um, like to like it would have made like he wasn't oh he wasn't against losing to Hogan at least as far as I know. But no, was... I don't think that was the issue. Yeah, I, think I think it was just the, the way that that you you pivoted from. You know, then I thought that's what it was. Though. You wanted a fifty-fifty booking. No, well, I mean, may, I, I've never heard that, so it could be that could be true. But it, if it sounds like they were trying to get a, a second match, you want to make sure the the first match is booked carefully. So a fantasy match probably would have been the best way to go to then maybe go heel route the second time two, around. You know yeah. what I mean? Maybe that was the logic. I don't know. That's that makes sense to me at least. Like if you know a fair one. Babyface, babyface, Hogan gets over on him, and then Sean can come back and be a nasty heel for WrestleMania. I love how Roddy Pepper's wearing wrist tape to, to commentate. <laughs> you notice uh, that? Yeah. That's just funny to me. I lo- I, I dig that that's shirt. A, that's a cool shirt. Yeah. I don't think they ever really released that shirt. I think they just I hope that's this- somewhere. Salad Steel Cage. You know what I saw on like a, like a, um, a collector's uh, page on Facebook? Somebody bought the jumpsuit. Those jump, one of those jumpsuits that those guys are wearing right now oh, in the cage. That's, that's cool. Well, I yeah. know when they do the old school Raws, they actually They've make them. They've had the cameramen wear they those. They make yeah. them wear them. Yeah. That's so pretty that's cool. That's pretty badass. Yeah. I like that. That is that is kind of... I wish they'd bring the, the blue steel cage back. Well, the only reason why back. they don't is because that shit hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah, nobody, yeah, wants, nobody wants to bump around in that if thing. They, if they did an old school Raw or another in your house... I'd love to see it. That'd be dope. It's along with those backgrounds again. Like you can tell it's fake. Look all the way to, look to, to yeah. Earthquake there's, Slap. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a door, right? There's, there's a like... door that they're covering with the, their fake wall. Yeah. Like, whatever. I mean, I'm not shitting on it. It's just Vince you know, is probably the, losing his mind behind the headset like right now as he sees up. this. Like, you know, tight camera shots. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, they're zooming in. Yeah, but you also, I mean, that's just, you want to zoom in too, but still. Yeah. Like, they're just standing in there. Like, they're just not standing in the right place. Like, if they kind of, like, stood in between the two walls, like, kitty-cornered almost, like, you know. But even then, uh, depending on how those walls are lined up, they might not look right together. If you, if you saw the cross, the intersection of them, That's you know, a good point, yeah. Maybe you go to the other wall. You know wall. what they should have did, though? If they want to make it believable, right? Because all you need is spray paint, right? They're in Philadelphia, right? Why not, uh, like, you know, whatever the... Uh, the 76ers colors were, you know, red, red, and blue, or red, yeah, red yeah. wings. The, the flyers. Red, red, and blue. Yeah. And flyers, yeah. That's what they should have did. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I that. think it's probably just a little bit of disorganization. They're standing wherever. That and, could be know. pink. Why I wonder. Be, I no wonder. Offense, why would it be pink lo- uh, lockers in, 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 like, the sport? The sport uh, in there, in blue, there were blue lockers earlier. Yeah, in another room there yeah. were blue lockers. Yeah. I used to like these. I, I wonder if they have any of this. They ha- They must. Well, I mean, you'd think they would dust them off for, like, the bump or something like that. You know, the Edge and Christian podcast, radio, network show. Bravo looked like do. he dropped a couple of F-bombs. I wish I played the audio. <laughs> he probably didn't, but still. Yeah. It looked like he did. Maybe, um, maybe in French. Years ago, when I was a youngster, I was 15, I had the, the privilege of working for a catering company locally, and we did the, um, the Monday Nitro from Hartford. The, the infamous night when the Ultimate Warrior debuted in WCW mm-hmm. with the 45-minute-long promo. So it was I was in heaven that day because I got to meet all the guys and catering and get autographs, even though it was against the rules to get autographs. I ate lunch with Kevin Nash, Disco Inferno, Alex Wright, Rey Mysterio, um, 
it was it was it was a cool experience. So anyhow, long story short, I'm I'm walking out of catering. I forget where. I, oh, I was going to I was going to the the merchandise truck because there was a truck with all the merchandise, and they were setting up a mer- they were setting up boxes with all the t-shirts and everything else. And I wanted to get an NWO Wolfpack shirt. And as I'm walking by, there is this big like um, like wall partition with like a door that said WCW closed set. And someone opened the door and they had one of those WCW lock, like fake mock locker rooms. Yeah. And they were doing all these pre-tape promos. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were guys just hanging around the outside of it. It was like this big like four four wall like pop-up kind of set that they put together. It yeah. was enclosed. And one of the guys, one of the luchadors opened the door and I could see Okerlund was in there and they had the lockers. And I was like, that was my first time where I was like, wait a minute, those lockers aren't real on TV? Because I, as a youngster, I thought it was real. But yeah, it was kind of cool to see. It's funny you say that too because I remember um, when I did my foray into that, when, I, when WWF came to Bridgeport in 2007, um, and nothing incredibly notable happened on that show, but they're doing all the pre-tapes during the day, and they had a, the, you know, the kind of what we see now with like the the red or the blue curtain and the little monitor in the back, like they had that. That's what they had. But what I remarked that you know that I never knew until then was those when they were shooting pre-tapes, those interviews are not live. No. When I was 18 years old, I thought all those things, all the interviews they did during you know during, that were in the show. All the backstage segments, yeah, everything was shot all during the day, and I was like blown away. There was a couple, there was a couple live uh, interviews they did during that show. Specifically, I was literally behind the camera during a Shawn Michaels Randy Orton stare down trash talk session, and that was really fucking cool because every because yeah. the wrestlers were all behind too. Watch, That's cool. As watching shit. it happen, Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton, so that was really cool to see. But to know that the, none of those interviews. Or live was pretty interesting, and I thought that was really cool. Kind Here's of the second life. half of the double main event here. Wardrobe changed by Bobby the Brain Heenan with none other than Ravishing Rick Rude. Um, obviously, he's got history with Ultimate Warrior here, and I think that's what kind of set up this match here, was that Rude holds a victory over Warrior at, the, at WrestleMania Five. Warrior holds a victory over him at SummerSlam 89. This is the rubber match. Warrior's got the WWF title this time around. It's in a cage. Um, yeah, so I think that's how they... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how they set this up from best of my recollection here. Not long after this, Rick Rude would be gone from the World Wrestling Federation. And he went uh, to WCW? Uh, he showed up in WCW a year later. Um, I don't know. I know that he quit heading into... Survivor Series. Right. He was originally advertised to be on Earthquake's team with Dino Bravo and I think it was Barbarian or Haku, one of the two. And Rude was gone. And then um, he would work. He would work some independent dates because apparently he was, according to our our our, our friend and uh, sort of cousin Bill Brown, Rick Rude and, and Paul Orndorff were advertised locally at an indie show in Connecticut not long after Survivor Series oh. when Rude was originally supposed to be a part of that team with Earthquake. Um, and here's a here's an interesting little tidbit here. We talked about him earlier, Bad News Brown. Bad News Brown was originally a part of Million Dollar Man's Million Dollar Team at that Survivor Series, and he quit the promotion too. 
Imagine Bad News Brown not quitting. How does Undertaker fit into that? You know, we never see an Undertaker. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't we know. See a, we see a googly gawker. <laughs> a googly gawker. I love it. That's the, that's the gimmick, Dennis, right there. The googly gawker. That uh, I'm just saying that's no. Unfortunately, we, uh, that that I, it, people would yeah, like to, but people would like to think <laughs> that 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 uh, that that uh, maybe could throughout the history, maybe that is the Undertaker debut, right? That's the most memorable thing. But at the time. For the next ten years after that event, it w- wasn't about the Undertaker's debut. It was, it was about that fucking turkey, and then nobody could convince me otherwise. It's like you have a hard on for this turkey. No, <laughs> it's it, it, it just or, or, that, that I'm not in denial when I say I was. If you're gonna make a top, at least WWE or WWF WWE, if you're gonna make a top twenty. Worst pay-per-views of all time. That has to be on that fucking list. It has to be. You know what? We'll find out November, Dennis. We'll find out when we do a watch-along of that. We'll make it happen. I know we were supposed to do it last year. Here we see Ultimate Warrior Climate. This is how we're getting things started. with him. with controls. What it says on the back of his trunk, so that's pretty... Ravishing Rick Rude. Out of control. I would imagine that's what it sounds like. In hindsight, man, Rick Rude... I mean, he was great, but another missed opportunity for main event success in the WWF. Um, I mean, granted, this was this was probably the only pay per view he main evented in his run with Ultimate Warrior. But I've always clamored for, even as a kid, like I always wondered why Recruit never wrestled Hulk Hogan and well, I, never wrestled I Randy Savage. A Flair's interview, shoot interview. Where Hogan he, didn't want to do it. Yeah, he said, "I don't want to work with the Tasmanian Devil." Yeah, which was the quote. Yeah, that's how he. That's that was how he felt about Rick Rude's work they had one match in 88 in the boston garden i believe if for for a live event that was on a hogan dvd but that was the only time that they ever worked each other and yeah. then i think when hogan went to wcw rude wanted rude wanted to work with hogan but a combination of things took place number one rude wanted to be a baby face and they thought that was stupid. And two, Hogan didn't want to work with him because of that Tasmanian Devil comment. But also, Rude was injured. He, he, he So he thought he was still going to be able to wrestle, but he had hurt his back and had that career-ending injury right, right. Um, with, with Sting in Japan in the spring of 94. So a lot of things led to... Um, and he had a lot of issues with Hogan after that. Um, from, what I've, from what I've heard. But um, yeah, I, I, as a kid, man... I always would scratch my head and be like, why isn't Rick Rude wrestling Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage? Imagine the stuff he would have done with Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? For like sure. Against Randy Savage, you know? The, what he did with Jake Roberts' wife was like some some oh, really so shit heel sort of stuff. So imagine yeah. what he did with Randy Savage. And Savage was also had a reputation back then for being a lunatic, well, you know, behind like, the scenes yeah, when it came to Elizabeth. Matches. Uh-uh, no way. She's not going to be put on your tights, uh-huh. <laughs> Oh man, is that Mike Kyoto reffing? I believe so. I believe that is a young Mike Kyoto. Main event in SummerSlam. Rude got some color here. I think that was from the beginning when he got when Warrior ran him into the cage. Yeah, Kyoto was one of the uh, the uh, one of the referees that that got let go. Yeah, Yeah, he got he got the furlough. Yeah, apparently he said he didn't see it coming. He just got a raise and a new contract, like probably a couple months earlier. And, uh, I was on Jericho's podcast, right? Where you mentioned it? I think so. I read it somewhere. Yeah, I read it too. But I didn't hear it. So 
He seemed to be a little... Uh... Wasn't he hurt, too? He had, like, surgery and, like, a yeah, shoulder Yeah, he elbow. hadn't been on TV for a while. Which I didn't realize that, to be honest yeah, with you. but it's fine with me. The refs, they don't deserve... For... <laughs> they don't deserve to be acknowledged their yeah, names. Yeah, they're they're, the, the official. They're just a low referee! Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The ravishing one. Always with the tights, too, man. His, his, his wardrobe, man, was... You know what I mean? Like it's part the, of him, yeah. He was one, yeah. Like they say, when it comes to big names in wrestling, you gotta have something that stands out. And certain thing, you know, Warrior stood out with his color scheme. Randy Savage, you know, same thing. Rick Rude was always the one known for like the airbrush tights and the creative designs on those airbrush tights. I've always wondered. I'm sure WWE probably has a few of those, right? I would imagine. Probably. Because when he went to the Hall of Fame. Did, in uh, 2017, I'm sure that they probably dusted off the family. Yeah, gave them some artifacts to to uh, display at access. Um, yeah, they probably did. I that was that that was the WrestleMania access that I like volunteered at, so I didn't actually. You can get to see it, yeah. Access and go through it all, like when it was set up. So I didn't actually see that stuff. So yeah, I'm sure it was there though. Now that you mention it, yeah. I was too busy escorting Marlena to and from her. Uh, her autograph table. Really? Kelly Kelly. Oh, I didn't um, know that. And then just kind of just herding sheep in different... Uh, mean Gene, Nikolai Volkov as well. Um, just kind of, you know, being the guy at the line where the handicapped kids are. And that's cool. Ushering them through. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad. You know, got to, got, to see, uh, got to see a little bit of what goes on beforehand. You know, they brought us in for a little virtual... To- not virtual. An actual tour of access as it was being set up they were very very adamant not to not to have, have your phones out or take pictures then yeah fired right away um not that i was getting paid but um so that was neat nice little fun experience the, what did what was the neck breaker called again the rude awakening yes yes that's right i was gonna say the ravishing the ravishizer or something <laughs> that's definitely not it that's top 20 worst pretend names for a finisher. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something on like Urban Dictionary. The Ravishizer. So this era, right? It's only, only uh, get out of the cage or go through the door, right? Well, they got a ref in there, so I'm assuming pinfalls are yeah, included. Yeah, I think they could pin too. It all yeah. depends. I think we've talked about this before. It all depends on the story and whatnot. I look at that person's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, you can't, like, honestly, like, I, I personally feel like uh, the, people say that the escape yeah, see, route, the, sure, the yeah. escape route in steel cage matches is like a chicken shit way out, but like, that works for chicken shit heels, like someone like a Rick Rude. Like, you can't do an escape stipulation for a Brock Lesnar, because, well, I mean, Brock Lesnar's a badass, like, he gets his on, shit done in the ring, yeah. you know? He, well, it, well it, to that point, it's a, it, you, that was a nice you, move you, right you, there. It was. A cage match like that, where you know you, you could you could have it pre- presented as like only one person's walking out, you know what I mean, and have it in that vein where maybe there's not as many escape attempts and it's just a fucking beat down until one of them can't get up and the other yeah. one just walks out. So it all again, it all depends on who's in there, what they want to do with it. But to your point, you know that that would play into it. You wouldn't want Brock Lesnar right when the bell rings to launch himself onto the cage and try to run out either. So yeah, it, it all depends. Yeah, it depends on the guy. It depends on the story. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be a pinfall. It doesn't always have to be escape. You know, the traditional idea is that 
it keeps the bad guys out. Yeah. It settles it, so. And the ultimate warrior tries to escape. With his face paint hanging off his <laughs> nose. <laughs> it's not a booger. Oh! oh there it is. Yeah. Bobby Heenan. God damn so it, Bobby. Good. Oh, they're both, they're both juicing. There you go, Bobby. Bobby hated him. Oh, you're right. You're at pinfall. One, two, kick out by Warrior. I noticed too. I saw, when I saw it in the entrance. Bobby, Bobby's jacket, that like font. It's got that like gothic font to his where it says "brain" in the back. If they show it again, it it looks so out of place. That's like a um, like kind of like something for the Undertaker or something. I didn't like notice that. the font, like, but like the a, but the the jacket the he has. It's like a like a, almost See, like. See, look a, at it. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Like, that doesn't look. Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know? You know what? The, the B looks like the B for the Boston Red Sox logo. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So maybe that's the kind of route they were going with here. But, um, no, I get what you're Could saying be. there. But I, I like the little the warm-up jacket. The and the Bruins, you know, maybe they're trying to get some heat on that. And then he, they, but then he'd come out in, like, yellow and black or something. Right? He probably would have cut a promo about the, the, yeah. the hockey team or the basketball team or sure. something to get some cheap heat. But Heenan was never a cheap heat guy. No. He, he didn't need to do that. He was so good, he didn't... Oh! <laughs> We got here. He's he like puts the tights back up because he probably uh, pulled them like, two down and uh, saw something he didn't want to uh, see. Like he's like seeing. He probably seeing caught the back end of uh of his uh of his ball bags. Yeah. He's like hey, like 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 it's a door. Like he closed it up. Like no, nah, <laughs> never mind. No, I changed my wrong room. Sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, he's like, or maybe Rude was like, "Hey, easy. You pulled them down too. You know." Too too low. Yeah. Bobby Heenan. Always good for a bump. Oh, yeah. In the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I've said this, and this may be a bold statement, but I feel like... Did I... I might have mentioned this on another recording. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like Bobby Heenan could be up there... For the greatest of all, one of the greatest of all time, as a wrestler, if he didn't go the manager yeah, route, absolutely, he yeah. takes the best bump I think I've ever seen. But he was also he also wrestled before, so like he like he was, yeah, he was absolutely one of the the better wrestlers when he first was getting into the business, and then like if he stayed the course, yeah, he would have been like Ric Flair. Okay, yeah, like, see, that's not that's 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 definitely not common knowledge, but to those who have followed Bobby Heenan and. And, and all that, and I've heard people comment on him. Part of his career was an, as an actual wrestler where he was pretty damn good, and he was able to sprinkle that into his manager role perfectly. He's, yeah. Bobby Heenan's one of the all-time greats, period. Beyond manager. Like, he could talk, he could manage, he could wrestle, he could do it all. Yeah, he was the ultimate utility player. Yeah. And that's probably a word that, does, that, get, that, that sounds unfair. Just to finish here. <laughs> he, he does, and boom you're a winner of the main event of SummerSlam 1990 still World Wrestling Federation champion the ultimate warrior I don't know if we talked in the, if I said this on the podcast or pre-podcast I changed my opinion the uh, the the, uh, the, match, the, the Macho Man uh, match at WrestleMania was way better I, 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 I remember this being uh uh, the last time I saw it, probably like 15 years ago, give or take. And I just remember. I, hate that he does that. I was just gonna say I don't like that either. That's like totally disrespecting the championship. 
Not the belt. Because yeah. <laughs> we like, talked well, about you, Actually, the, I think the belt is even, like, broken. Like, there's a part I of noticed the, that in the, the promo with, with, with Gene Okerlund, yeah. Like, I dig that, like... That new leather to it, like when he had the yellow before yep. for the Intercontinental title. Like, I he even had the he even had the uh, he, he would change colors purple. during this era. It was like, yeah. it was this, it was white, it was yes. um, it, it was purple when when Slaughter beat him at Royal Rumble. Yeah, he, yeah. He I went, like I don't like the swing in the belt around. Like it's. I mean, I get it. He's you know the he's ultimate a fucking nut job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he had a good run. Yeah. He did. But that comes to an end um, not long after this. And this watch-along has come to an end. Thank you, gentlemen, both for indulging me and hopefully the rest of the audience, the listeners of Kicking Out It 2, for this uh, special look back at the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 1990. Next week, we're going to celebrate the 25-year anniversary of WCW's Monday Nitro debut with a Monday Nitro watch party from the Mall of America. Um... So that should be a lot of fun. And uh, I think it's about that time that we officially put this show down for the three count. And we'll see you all next week.